Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 301. We got over the hump of 300 last week with a big, gigantic blowout. In fact, I think it was the longest episode of Game Face we have ever done, and that's saying something. But we are back. It is Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, which means we're ready to stream the next episode of Game Face Live on Twitch. Alongside me to do that is Matthew Kyle. What's up, Matt? Oh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing <laughs> holy moly Just nothing nothing wow this is um i was talking to matt before we went live and i believe this is the worst year i can remember for game releases ever this is the uh, it's first time i can remember the summer drought starting in april that's for sure it is definitely the first time this has ever happened since we launched game face yeah i am i am desperate for july 29th at this point for uh, uh, Xenoblade. Yeah. Like, it's the only thing... The last Xenoblade came, and, like, yeah. we were like, okay, that's cool, that's an extra game to talk about. Now it's, like, this grail that we're, like... Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like the Xenoblade special. <laughs> oh, man. All right. of August will be Xenoblade. Yeah, content. exactly, the whole month. It's Xenoblade month. I'm just it, gonna play it live. It is so dry. What do you think is the biggest reason for this, Matt? Um... Is it COVID? Is it really just COVID, some of it ultimately? Is. Yeah, some of it is. Uh, some of it, I think, is like growing pains for the, the new stuff. And I think largely it's just the disruption of COVID. And yeah. it's still causing problems. You know, it's happening everywhere. You, get, you know, if it's not workforce problems, it's shipping problems mm -hmm. or manufacturing problems. So, yeah, you know, it's I mean, it could be worse. Could be baby formula. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'd have to ship it, pay like taxpayer dollars to get it over here. If you can even get it to happen. Right, right. But so it's, uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think a lot of it is that, um, and it's just like, but it's just, yeah, I've never seen anything like this. It's just, and just stuff's constantly slipping out. Um, Feels like every week there's something else, even like insignificant things getting delayed that people don't pay attention to. Yeah. Um, that might be relevant for us but, in like three weeks. But Gollum's coming out on September first. Yeah. The, the crazy part yeah. is the window here that the big publishers are missing. Yeah. If you had a big game to release in this window right now, it would do way better than it normally would have done. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they wish they had one. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah it's this, not like I is, think they're doing it intentionally. Oh, no, or this, like Forspoken wishes it could could have come out. I mean, and now the rumor is Forspoken might slip to next year. Oh, really? Yeah. Another one of my games Another on my games. fantasy team. <laughs> it's really remember when that was supposed to come out in February? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like Forspoken would have cleaned up if it came out. This and it week. ended up being decent. Yeah, it came yeah. up. It was good. Um, you know, this would be a prime place to put out Stray or Hellblade. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, like you, you're, the field's wide open. There's like just you do whatever the hell you want. It's three months. Yeah. It's really crazy. Even like a really good retro collection of something. I mean, uh, uh, Capcom, Capcom and Sega might get more traction with those, that street, the the fighting game and Sonic collections than we think next month. Like, there's nothing else to. I'm kind of like, oh yeah, maybe I will play Sonic Three again. Like, who knows? Like, I mean, that's where I'm getting. That's where I'm at. Like, it's literally never been this bad in the 300 episodes that we have done of Game Face. It's mm -hmm. never been this bad for this prolonged a period of time. Yeah, I've never had a, a period where I've been like, oh, uh, you know, I get, it gets to be like Friday, and I'm like, oh, I should probably look at what I should play, uh, the new stuff to what play this week What can I dig up? What show. can I find? And I'm like, oh, there's, there's, there's nothing. nothing. There's yeah. nothing. Oddly enough, we do have two games. Yeah, there was, there was something <laughs> this week. Roller Champions comes out tomorrow. Yeah, I saw that. Ubisoft did not send me early code for that. There's only one review why. up right now on the entire internet for it. So they know. Pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. 
they know it's gonna, not going to review well, but we will talk about that in next But it might show. sell well because there's nothing else. That, Evil, well, free to Evil play, Dead sold half a million. I know. Because, again, there's nothing. Yeah. And now that other vampire thing, the, the V Rising or whatever, that, that MMO. Yeah. Click, like, it's turning into like the next Valheim. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, again, there's, there's nothing, nothing to else play. to play. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, Johnny Hurricane brings up the Sniper Elite is out soon. Yes, oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, I, I, been going I could back. stand to shoot Hitler in the balls right about now. That, <laughs> exactly. is, that is true. That would feel really good, actually. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm on board for that one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll do a Sniper Elite for sure. Um, I have been going back and playing a backlog. I have never done that since I launched Sifted. I have yeah, never that's my trick. What are you had... Doing? Exactly. I have never had a window of time where there weren't games to play where I could go mm-hmm. back and play old games. I finished Horizon Forbidden West. And now I'm playing Dying Light 2. This is insane. This is unheard of. You know what I went back and played more of? Uh, well, I went back and played Lego Star Wars again because mm-hmm. they patched that and mm-hmm. fi- fixed the quest I was stuck on. Uh, and uh, I'm up to like 800 Kyber Bricks now <laughs> out of 1,200. Um, and uh, I played some Titan Quest that oh. I haven't done in forever. Wow. I, I really like that game. <laughs> but it's must. like there's no reason to do that now well there is a reason but now because there's nothing else to do because <laughs> there's nothing else to play yeah so it's uh it's rough I out play, there i keep thinking about playing witcher 3 again but then i'm like i'll just wait for the next gen thing which i guess is q4 now if yeah. we're lucky yeah they just okay. announced that today i think yeah. the final date for that or yesterday i feel bad for kind of funny who has to do a podcast every day yeah well <laughs> I, I mean there was imagine. there was a time when that there really was that much happening yeah now I guess you could just play retro games forever. Yeah, I also picked a great time, by the way, to put uh, Good Morning Gaming on hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> I had pretty much wrung the towel dry at the point when we put that show on hiatus. Um, might, might need to become Good Week Gaming if you bring it yeah, back. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyway, here we are. We are doing our best to bring great shows to you guys. And honestly, I think we do have a great show today. I think it's going to be full of great topics, not necessarily great games per se. Um, a couple things before we get going. Just now, in fact... Seven minutes ago, our brand new show, New Dimension, 2D to 3D, launched on YouTube for everyone. Now, I talked about this on last week's episode because I wanted to get you guys on board to go and like it and leave comments, but I ended up readjusting my strategy towards that show because I was like, you know what? I'd rather launch it right during Game Face so I can send all you guys right now to youtube.com slash siftedgames to go like that video and leave a comment on that video. And that is what I'm asking you to do right now. Go to youtube.com slash siftedgames. It is the newest published video. It should be at the top of the video list. Give that a like, please. And if you have 10 seconds before you come back to Game Face, please write a quick comment. Even if it's just like, there's no other show like this that I've seen, because there isn't. I've searched YouTube high and low. I have not seen another feature like New Dimension. It is a series that chronicles the industry's biggest franchises as they transition from 2D to 3D and how the elements of the 2D versions of the games had to be changed or altered to work in 3D, things that wouldn't work at all. It's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited for it. The first episode just went up for everybody who subscribes at our YouTube channel. If you could please go there right now and like the video and leave a very quick comment, that would be awesome. And if you're not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do that as well and ring that notification bell. I don't even know what the hell that does at this point. Smash that like button. Ring that bell. (laughs) All that stuff. I can't can't even... I'm I'm just thinking about all the games that that would just turn into like a a tragedy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Mortal Kombat. A lot of them have not gone well. No, no. But it's a... There's a 
a well that is very deep. Oh, so yeah. the series can go on forever. And we're only doing... The other reason I waited to launch the show live on Game Face today is because the second episode is already deep into production, and I didn't want there to be a huge gap on our YouTube channel from when the first episode airs and the second episode goes live because I want to there to be some momentum. So um, it won't be a full month until the second episode appears on YouTube. And the second episode, as I said, is in full production, will be appearing mm. for our patrons and subscribers very soon. So just try to keep the momentum going with that show. And so I decided to stagger things and reschedule. Mm. And I think that's probably for the best what I've done. Yeah. Retrospect, like historical stuff like that is popular right now. I watched, I didn't watch, but it was on while I was doing other things, a five-hour documentary video about every Lord of the Rings video game ever made. <laughs> wow. And, like, there's but, points in that video where that man is hurting. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's a it's lot of work a, to do stuff like that. It yeah, is. Well, also, they're bad games. Like, there's right. so many bad games Right, in that. right, right. And at the very beginning, he's like, I'm not covering the mobile shit, and I'm not playing the MMO. <laughs> I'm Everything else we're going to do. Here we go. Uh, but anyway, features are, um, they're a lot of work, but they're evergreen. So... Mm-hmm. Game Face, we do an episode of Game Face. Three weeks later, it's hard to convince someone yeah. to watch that episode of Game Face. Because but everybody can always watch something about how Bubsy 3D sucked. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this is a big shift of focus for us. We've never really done a series like this at Sifted because it is such a huge time commitment. Um, I honestly, I had to convince Vincent to do it. for. I've been trying to get him to do a, a show like this for years. Um, but he finally was like, okay, I'm willing to do it now. Uh, when we saw uh, Game Pass or Fail go away. Um, so anyway, again, head to YouTube YouTube.com slash Sifted Games and give the episode a like and a comment if you can. It will make a big difference for the show. I really feel like this might be something that could finally hit big for Sifted, so I'd appreciate all your help. And this is Game Face. We are supported 100% by our generous patrons at Patreon.com slash Sifted. If you're listening to this show on any of the podcast services or you're watching it, Four days delayed on YouTube. Um, we'd appreciate it if you could head to patreon.com slash sifted and check it out and see if you can uh, help us out in some way with a pledge. We'd really appreciate it. That's really how the site and all our content are going to survive and thrive is by getting those Patreon pledges. And if you don't have any money and can't pledge, we also can help us for free if you're an Amazon Prime member using Twitch Prime and descriptions and instructions on how to do that are down below in the description on YouTube. And with that, I think we're ready to kick off the dang show. You guys should be back by now from heading over to YouTube and liking all the stuff we'd ask you to go like. We're going to kick things off with... Oh, you're right, Matt. In fact, we have something very important to do first. We have a sponsor for the next month, and here is their ad. A -a once-in-a-lifetime property is now available in Northwest Montana featuring 92 acres of gorgeous wilderness, approximately one mile along the Blue Ribbon, trout-rated Kootenai River, and an eye-popping view of the Cabernet Mountain Wilderness Area. This is truly an outdoorsman's paradise. You can use the restored and remodeled barn with living quarters as a year-round home, vacation cabin, fishing retreat, horse ranch, or cattle ranch. Contact Doug DeShazer today for additional pictures, information, and an opportunity to view this very special piece of Montana. And with interest rates starting to rise, now is the time to pull the trigger on a home or property. Even if you're not able to relocate to Montana, worry not, sifters. Doug DeShazer has facilitated home and land sales in California, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and many other states. He can find you the perfect real estate agent for the job, no matter where you live in the U.S. 
Feel free to contact Doug with any questions regarding real estate at DeShazerMT at gmail.com or give him a call at 406-291-1643. That's 406-291-1643. Big thanks to DeShazer Ryan Realty, really showing up in our time of need. We needed a sponsor now more than ever. Um, and I really appreciate them showing up and uh, offering to sponsor Game Phase for the next month or so. Uh, it makes a big difference for us. And now... I'm going to buy that place just to turn it into a bar so someone can have a bar fight and swing from that chandelier. <laughs> yes. The wagon wheel chandelier demands a cowboy hanging from it. <laughs> it definitely does. Uh, so anyway, thanks again to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring Game Face. And now we're ready for the real thing. We're ready for the show. We're going to talk first about yet another. And this is something that if you had told me this two years ago, Matt, I never would have dreamed that this would even be a possibility. But I brought this up several times. You have brought We've mentioned it a couple times. In mm. fact, we just talked about EA last, 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 week. last episode. Yeah. Yep. And right on cue, like the very yeah, next, like the day, next day. <laughs> we we start to hear rumors. The cat came back. Yeah, yeah, that EA is up on the block for Or either, they'd like to be. Or they'd like to be. And have been wanting to be since before even the Activision deal happened. Yep, for either a sale or a merger with another mm -hmm. company. Mergers seem a little more complicated and yeah. also... Also, why would you want to give EA any control of your... Like, yeah. like, why would that be... There's no possible way you'd want EA to be an equal in terms of this merger thing. Yeah. Like, they're not bringing it up to the table to be that. Which is just crazy. It, it's yeah. insane what's happened to EA. I mean, what they're bringing to the table is their back catalog, yeah. frankly. Because if you if this happens, you're talking about a complete like you know every, almost you know without unless the license agreements are very strange, every licensee gets to basically reevaluate the deal. So the NFL would have to kind of decide if they want to keep doing. It. This could be the only way we ever get competition among NFL video games again. Yeah, that's true. Frankly. Or any sports game, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, we're already probably going to see it with FIFA. Yeah, well, FIFA already decided to make their own game, so... And I wouldn't be surprised if Take-Two swoops in and, t and scoops up that FIFA IP, that license. Well, FIFA doesn't isn't offering it. Oh, really? FIFA's making their own video games now. Oh, Lord. They're, they're going to open a... Like, what do their own stuff. a mistake. Yes. <laughs> but... <laughs> MLB tried to do that. I mean, that's what they said when that when that news was reported that FIFA's going to do their own thing. Oh, I missed that somehow. Yeah. What a terrible decision that is. Now, who knows if they'll get to the point where they actually open a dev studio or something? But, you know, at some right. point, someone may be like, "Oh, this is way harder than we thought." Yeah. Um, and they'll just go to take two. But like, no, I, from what I understood, like the original, like the con the idea is to have FIFA have a basically game dev wing. Yeah. Uh, another thing that is, I believe is, is going to maybe a deal breaker for a lot of people who may be interested in merging with EA is that EA is pushing for its CEO, Andrew Wilson, to have control over the merged companies. And it's like, wait a minute. It's nice to have dreams. I yeah. Guess. Like, no. Like the, the, only, the only instance of that I can recall in recent memory uh, is Lucasfilm. Like Lucasfilm, part of the deal when they bought, when Disney bought Lucasfilm was that Lucasfilm basically retains creative control yeah. over all their stuff. Um, which also means that if you're blaming Disney for things you don't like in star wars you're wrong because it's all the people running lucasfilm yeah. um but that, that was one of the reasons they got lucasfilm so cheap because four billion dollars was actually a ridiculously low price yeah for star wars uh -huh. um and like part that was part of the thing was like it re basically remains an independent creative entity mm -hmm. um but that but they have star wars and indiana jones ea has 
Yeah. Well, to your point earlier, talking about his back catalog, the problem for EA is a lot of his back catalog is irrelevant because they're sports games. No, EA has tons, tons and tons. Right, but, do. but they're so old, Matt. It doesn't like, matter. You can take a bunch of those things and turn them into something. You can remake is, them and Yeah, you, I mean, I'm not them. saying re-release them. I'm saying, like, if you think there's no market for a Wing Commander game right now, you're out of your mind. Like, I mean, there is one. I don't think it's gigantic. Like, it's bigger than you think it is. Yeah, it's bigger. It's certainly bigger than EA thinks it is. Yeah, and there's tons of stuff in there. Wait, like like a high quality Command wasteland and game, and... Command and Conquer, the the Strike games. Um, it goes on and on and on. Like they have so much stuff buried. A Starflight, like you turn Starflight into like they could have beaten Bethesda to the punch if they just I, I turned like Starflight into a massive. I feel like for people like us, thing. EA's catalog is more attractive. People who played a lot of PC games, quote unquote, back in the day. People like us, I think we value EA's catalog a lot more than the well, average player. Well, only in the sense that EA's done nothing with it. Yeah. Like if you take all that stuff and turn it into something palatable by modern standards, it could be they could all be huge. Like you're talking it about, could be, anything can be a hit. I mean, look, if the game ten is years good, ago, it's no good. one ten years I ago just, no one knew what the hell Vibranium was, but now all that stuff is huge. I like, mean, look, a good game is a good game. It's going to sell if they market it right and they get the word out there. I'm talking about like how much intrinsic value is there in that back catalog of EA, and I just don't think that there's all that much. And because it's made, well, I mean, in terms so of many like, sports games, all those sports franchises are worthless. Like well, they have no of, value in terms of of like. You know, setting a purchase price, yes, but in terms of possible, like potential yeah. value, it's almost unlimited. EA has just done nothing with it. Yeah, and that's even leaving which us is a, probably a big reason why it's looking the, to sell. Where's or the fucking merge. Dead Space game? The, the Callisto pro, Callisto Protocols, Calypso, Calypso Protocol, Callisto, Callisto Protocol. Protocol. Yeah, like that just went up on. You know, this, this is gonna be a Game Informer reveal, and there's a cover story. So, like, and everyone's freaking out because it looks like Dead Space. Everybody just wants Dead Space back. Like, you've oh, you have Dead Space. Well, they did the only the reason remake. Dead Space Three failed is because you the, the executives made it be something it wasn't supposed to be. Well, they're working on the remake right now, and that's also been delayed out of the year mm-hmm. another game that like under the radar was delayed out of 2022 into 2023 and who knows uh, we do want to give credit to the person who broke this story because that's what we do here on game face dylan byers at puck was the mm-hmm. reporter who broke a lot of this stuff um and just to give you guys the nuts and bolts because matt and i we have a tendency to kind of fly off on tangents when we first start discussing something uh recently ea pursued a merger this is according to again dylan byers pursued a merger with NBC Universal and also held potential acquisition talks with Disney, Apple, and Amazon, among other companies. Um, EA's been persistent in pursuing a sale and has, only, and has only grown more emboldened in the wake of the Microsoft Activision, Activision deal. Um, others say that EA is primarily interested in a merger arrangement that would allow Wilson to remain as CEO of the combined company. Um, Wilson reportedly approached Disney just in March to change their relationship in some significant way. Um, apparently, the deal with NBC Universal was the one that got the furthest along. Again, according to Byers, Comcast CEO Brian Roberts was looking to spin off the entertainment conglomerate into a separate entity with EA. Uh, with one version of the deal leaving current e- EA CEO Will- Andrew Wilson in charge of the new mega business, negotiations eventually fell apart over the price, though. Here's the official statement from EA that I believe Kotaku got. Uh, we are proud to be operating from a position of strength and growth. Uh <laughs> <laughs> With a portfolio of amazing games built around powerful IP made in, by incredibly talented teams and a network of more than half a billion players, we see a very bright future ahead. 
Matt, uh, end quote. Bright futures don't usually have people going around trying to sell themselves. Exactly. So. I mean, I would argue that of everything he just listed there, the thing that has the most value is the half a billion people. Yeah. On their like list, yeah. like they have half a billion email addresses. Basically, mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. That is probably the most value of everything that yeah. they, they just listed there. Bold to go to Disney and be like, hey, with all, what, look at how we performed for you on Star Wars. <laughs> don't you want to own us? Yeah, that's it's a like, tough sell. No. Like, and shouldn't we stay in control of a No. Wait. Yeah. Well, they also had Battlefield, which they've just destroyed. Yeah. The timing couldn't be worse. Right now, here's the thing, Matt. Right now, the value of EA is at rock bottom. Yeah. It could not be lower. It's big of... What would have been its biggest IP, Battlefield, is completely in the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost the Star Wars license. It doesn't have an exclusive after next year, I think it is. Yeah. What does it have? Respawn. I mean, that's really, Respawn, that's what we mentioned last week. Respawn's pulling the cart for EA, and it just mm-hmm. acquired Respawn, like, what, six, seven years ago? Less than that. Less than that, maybe. And how it came in. Yeah, because they started Fallen Order before they were purchased. Yeah. Which is one reason they didn't have to use Frostbite. Right. Yeah. It's it's like the lower third says the mighty have fallen mm-hmm. again. You even three years ago you did ask me like, hey, would EA be up or open to an acquisition uh, acquisition or merger in twenty twenty two? I'd have laughed you out of the room. It's <laughs> it's crazy as uh, as Matokos uh, you know as the major said in in uh, Ghost in the Shell over specialized in your breed and weakness. Yeah, they've they've got three games at this point. Franchises, yeah. yeah. They've got Madden, and not, well, they don't even have FIFA anymore. They have Battlefield, and you know they're waiting to see if Bioware can get another hit. Uh, they're, you know, they don't they don't even have control over the remake of Kotor, right? Yeah, like it's it's amazing how much that has spun out of you know like, as if Swotor, that's still going. And they have what you know, respawns keeping keeping the lights on with Apex Legends. Like, I mean, it's really just pulling the whole cart, Apex yeah. Legends, because that game just prints money basically. Dragon Age Four is who knows, well over a year out, yeah, at best. I mean, look, they've massive. People are talking about Mass Effect Four like it's something we need to worry about right now. Like, I mean, they've murdered Mass Effect as well yeah. with Andromeda. I mean, that IP doesn't have the cachet that it had. No, like. The excitement over a new Mass Effect is like, imagine if Andromeda had never happened or if it would have been called something else. Right. Like and now we were waiting for a new Mass Effect, people would be losing their minds. Yeah. But instead, instead it's like, mm. Yeah, instead there's trepidation. Well, same with Dragon Age. You know, all yeah. the Dragon Age fans. I know, I know some real hardcore Dragon Age fans, and they're all like, hope it's good. Like, there's just no confidence left. Yeah. I don't have hard, hardly any confidence in EA. Hardly mm. none. And it's like, you know, the deal with the NBC Universal fell apart. You know, over price, you know what, what was going on there. EA was asking for too much money. Yeah. NBC's like, are you crazy? This isn't like 1999 anymore. When you were a real publisher that mm-hmm. published a lot of games. I mean, we were talking last week about how there just aren't anywhere near as many games being released anymore. And EA is the poster child for that. If you yeah. look at its output from like the mid-90s to now... Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Activision, too, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Activ- I mean, Activision's even worse. Down yeah. To basically one game. They didn't put that Crash Bandicoot stuff out. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, you know, you had Medal of Honor. You had uh, Need for Speed. Every I mean, I guess, you know, Need for, sounds like Need for Speed's dropping out of this year. That's another. Yep. That also pushed out of this yeah. year. 
<laughs> and they merge like and like that's the thing is they they did they want you know they're doing the thing the movie industry is doing there was a great uh video i can't remember who the guy was talking about it, but he's basically saying like look like you by focusing only on the mega hits by focusing only on you know the big thing the things that make a billion dollars the movie industry has um made themselves non-essential entertainment Mm-hmm. You know, basically, because you want the little earth, you want the comedies and the rom-coms and the and the and the indie movies and the epics and the sweeping sort of dramas that don't make a billion dollars that, that even lose money at times because those appeal to different people than the big tent poles. So but by only focusing on the tent poles, only focusing on the thing, you know, and sure, from a business sense, it kind of makes sense to look at that. But what you're doing when you do that is you're you are over specializing, you're targeting a specific audience. And you're making the movies a specific thing for a specific person, whereas the movies used to be everyone. Used to be for everyone. Yeah. Like, like you, you, you know, it used to be that if you, you could always go to the theater and find something you were interested in, and that's not true anymore. And he's like saying these studios need to start putting out even stuff at a loss, like indie stuff at a loss, but to put it out there so everybody has a reason to go to the theater again. And EA kind of did the same thing. It's like there's no reason to even look at EA's presentations. If you don't care about those three things, you don't care about football or football or battlefield. Yeah, like that's it. Like maybe you Need for Speed sprinkled and, in here right. every once in but a while, e- and those but, are always disappointing. But too. EA used to have just like this spread Stream. of every yeah. like imaginable genre. They would make all the you know, even if you were like sick of Madden and FIFA and and Battlefield and Medal of Honor and all that stuff. But it's like, oh, we're just gonna put out Mirror's Edge and Dead Space out of nowhere and it's just like oh could you wow. imagine modern they EA? would experiment they do weird shit like it was it's dante's it's, inferno dante's inferno could you imagine ea today publishing a game like dante's inferno no, no. <laughs> and granted the game wasn't great no but it was it wasn't inter- terrible it was, either it was different it was yeah. it was you know and it was trace chasing a trend it was still chasing the god of war trend yeah. but like it was i mean it showed ea trying yeah and like it, was, it feels it, like it doesn't try and it was edgy and stupid but it was like also like it's it was amazing to me on some level to think that the like the stuffed shirts at EA corporate allowed a game where you walked around on the skulls of dead babies to exist. Yeah. And like <laughs> now you're like you can't yeah. like you, you feel like they're they're micromanaging what's allowed to be in the playbooks in Madden now. Uh-huh. You're, you're like why are you listening to any of these people? It's bizarre. It's look it's not just EA. A lot of publishers have done this, but EA to me is the worst example of it or maybe mm. the most obvious example of it. Just the lack of variety, the lack yeah. of quantity at all. And look, I mean, to me, that's Activision. But like, you think Activision's I, worse than EA? Well, for a while, Activision's literal only game was Call of Duty. In a couple of years there, where I think that's the only thing they put out. That may be about, true, actually. Unless you're talking about like ongoing Blizzard stuff. Yeah, there's like Sekiro, and then they do Crash stuff here and there. They do the Crash trilogy, but like beyond that, I can't think. You know, before, you're right, actually. Before yeah. that, you're basically going back to the Transformers games before High Moon got folded into the the yeah. sweatshop for Call of Duty maps. And then you had, you know, obviously you had the Tony Hawk games for a long mm-hmm. time that were coming out every year, and they're gone now. I mean, that, that's how stagnant Activision got. Was like a new Tony Hawk game was like a breath of fresh air from. I remember when we, I remember when we couldn't. Even bear to think about playing another Tony Hawk game. Yeah, and there was then there was Guitar Hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, it used to have franchises, a bunch of franchises that came out every year. Yeah, and I don't think that was the right tactic either. But they no. went, they went from one extreme to the other. They have not found the middle ground, the happy medium, and EA hasn't done it either. And they're they're two of the biggest U.S. publishers. Yeah, when you think about how many people work for EA mm-hmm. and how little output there is, because Matt, really you and I, if you've worked in the industry, you have been to. 
countless EA campuses, development mm-hmm. studios. They're everywhere, and they're gigantic. Yep. They have a huge headquarters in San Francisco. They have a huge headquarters in L.A., just 300 miles away. Mm-hmm. And then they have a huge headquarters in Florida where all the Madden stuff is done. And then they have a huge headquarters in Europe where a lot of the FIFA stuff is done. Like, And this is their output. It's really crazy that they can afford to pay all those people year-round, mm-hmm. year after year, without releasing anything. Yeah, like they lean pretty hard on the EA Partners thing for kind of like littler little, little things, mm-hmm. you know? like uh, Unraveled and all that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. But like... Mm. None of that stuff sells very well. No. So they're, at least EA, in some cases, still experimenting. The Sims is another franchise that, oh, ma- the, the, that pulls the cart for EA in a lot of ways. Well, except the Sims is more or less non-existent. I mean, Maxis got dismantled, mm-hmm. like brick by brick it was really disturbing really mm-hmm. um, but it still does pretty well the sims yeah, like, it still generates it still generates revenue it still generates a lot of like community action it mm-hmm. hasn't been a growth franchise in more than I, a decade i mean yeah we've been waiting almost a decade for the next sims game i mean they've well, been like, milking the, the sims with expansion packs because they don't know what else to do like like they they never reinvent the Sims. The mm-hmm. Sims is like even the Sims Four was sort of the straw that broke a lot because like going from two to three was like okay three is three D yeah so you're kind of big big upgrades you got to rebuy everything and they did the same thing with Sims Four it's like okay Sims Four is just the vanilla Sims again and now you got to rebuy all the expansion packs all over again for, just to get the content up to parity with what you already had on Sims Three and a lot of people just didn't move on from Sims Three because there was no reason yeah. And the modding community was so advanced that they were able to make Sims 3 work better than The Sims 4 for the most part anyway. Um, like, it, it, you know, The Sims is a really good example of their their fear of reinventing the wheel. Um, the other thing I would say is, like, as much as a misfire as it was, um, there was more you could do with Spore. Oh, yeah. Like, you could reiterate Spore. Like, yeah. you, like Spore was, was ripe for the, um, the No Man's Sky treatment. Matt, I found, actually, when I was searching through clips for Game Face 300 last week... I found a clip where you talked about your niece, mm-hmm. who was at that time was like 11 or whatever, had found Spore yeah, and was playing Spore. Spore. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, that, that franchise has some legs. But ultimately, I mean, look, if I was a consultant and some company was coming to me and saying, Shane, like, who should we acquire? We're looking to acquire a big publisher, a big developer. EA would be at the bottom of my list. Mm-hmm. I do not see... EA is having I mean, EA would exceptional be, long-term prospects. EA would be up there for me as if, if like, if I asked them, like, are you willing to take existing but long-dormant IP and turn it into something worthwhile? Mm-hmm. Because if you want to take um, Desert Strike or uh, Burnout or Dead Space or any of these things that they used to have back in the day, Budokai, mm-hmm. like, there's th- that back catalog goes deep. And goes hard, and like you could make some real stuff, but you it would be three four years from now before you put it out, you know. Like I mean, that like sounds you'd like be something... starting from scratch after spending all this money, and that's kind of what you need to decide. Because I don't think if you're if you're looking at an EA acquisition just on based on what's kind of in the pipeline and already there, I don't think there's any real value for you. Well, that is what Embracer and THQ Nordic typically does: is they find companies that have a lot of long dead ip but embracer just lost half a billion dollars in its last financial Mm -hmm. year and it said you know what we're gonna slow our roll a little bit probably why i mean you'd need to do something like what thq nordic did with darksiders right you know like it was like everyone thought they were crazy Mm -hmm. but it turned out okay it worked okay yeah um still wait it's coming up on 10 years 
since they right. had that cliffhanger on <laughs> Darksiders 1, maybe one day we could finish that freaking story. But like, I would hold my breath. No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. But um, but that kind of thing, you know, like, or like Titan Quest, you know, they they put out two more expansions for Titan Quest since mm-hmm. they acquired them. That's nuts. Yeah. But it did real well for them. That's awesome, though. On their, you know, on their scale. Like, that's the thing is, like, the price you'd have to pay for EA would have to be proportional to what you're going to be able to expect from them. And I don't think EA understands that. Yeah. Like, that's probably why they're asking prices. So is kind of the deal breaker all the time here. Yeah. Is, like, there is a value to this. There is a value to sort of the, not not the EA name, but the EA properties and their and their catalog. Um I could I could come up with ten pitches for like great games based on things that EA hasn't touched since the 16-bit era, uh, like by next Friday. Mm-hmm. But that's an investment beyond what you're really look usually looking at with sort of um, uh, an acquisition, certain but certainly a merger. Like a merger is like implying that like what we're doing right now is cool. We just need to keep doing it under a different umbrella. And I don't know a single person who has the, a single entity that has the money to buy EA that would think that about EA. Yeah. It would be a gutting. If yeah. somebody actually purchased EA, they would gut that place. Yeah. You wouldn't even recognize it like 18 months later. Yeah. If they're smart anyway. Because it's headed I in mean, the wrong direction. I mean, certainly the, the executive wing. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I think most of the developers are entirely capable and talented enough to do what you want them to do and need them to do here. I, I wonder though, Matt. I mean, do you think DICE is a good developer at this point? Um, I think they could be. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I think you, but I think like you need to go to DICE as an entity and sort of sit down with them and be like, what do you guys want? You got to do a guerrilla games thing. You're like, okay, yeah. we've, we've had you doing this for a long time. We had you making kill zone for a long time. What do you want to do? Yeah. Like, what do you got? Is there a, a, a game that like the people in the hallways of dice talk about making one day, if they're no longer chained to the battlefield franchise, mm-hmm. like what, what would that let's be? See it. Let's yeah. see what that would be. Like, let's, let's bring some passion back to these people. I mean, like, what we're seeing right now is what EA has become. Yeah. Choose your badge. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is it, though. I mean, yeah. ultimate team. Yeah. Between Apex Legend and ultimate team on Madden and FIFA, that is what pays all EA's yeah. bills. Basically, the Magic the Gathering like, yeah. model yeah. For, How for video games. How odd sports. is that? <laughs> Never would have dreamed that EA... And how, and how weird is it that no one really thinks about it? Yeah. You know? Like, like how often, do, you know, as someone who doesn't play sports games... I have to remember every time I see footage of this or you bring it up, it's like, oh, yeah, there's a giant microtransaction scam system that basically buoys FIFA and Madden. Yeah. Like that's, that's the, and, you know, and every, I mean, yeah, MLB has, it, the show has it, and like, uh, certainly NBA 2K has it. Yeah. Um, like, it's just, like, the whole sports video game world is sort of a giant this. racket for this. <laughs> it's a racket. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Preying on people who should know better, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. So, I, what do you think is going to happen here, Matt? I don't think they're going to be acquired or merged. No, I think I they're just going to go on. I don't. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be dumb enough to buy them at the end. I mean, I think they're going... Because also, if you are interested in their back catalog or sort of acquiring anything there, you know that all you got to do is wait. Yeah. There's, the price is going to keep going down. Yeah. yeah. You wait for them to be more desperate. There's no hurry. Why would you... What is the rush to buy EA? Yeah. It's not like there's some hot project that's no. like on the verge yeah, of no coming one, out. You know, all due respect to the, to the fans of it, but no one's looking at Dragon Age Four and being like, "I got to get in on that." Yeah, like it's no one knows anything. It's all yet. wait and see. Yeah, yeah. The new Dead Space remake, wait and see. Yeah, is it going to be good? Who knows? Like, 
Like the only thing I am unadulteratedly looking forward to for e- from EA is Fallen Order Two. Yeah, me too. Anything from Respawn? Yeah, anything Respawn does, you got my attention. Yeah, and that's that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Again, oh how the mighty have fallen! Just to even talk about EA in this way, or Activision for that matter, both of them. Like, yeah. well, I mean, at least there are things I'm looking forward to from EA at all, which yeah. is more than I can say about Activision. That's true. Yeah, you're not a Call of Duty guy, so no. it's even worse. And even if I was, <laughs> not this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is, is a Call of Duty year? coming this year. Next year, yeah, next year is the year yeah. they're taking off. Uh, it looks like we may get Modern Warfare 2, which we got an announcement about yeah. that today, actually. The first, like, God, I might actually play Call of Duty this year. There's nothing oh, else yeah, to you do. Actually, yeah, you might play it. Um, we may get that and the new Warzone this same year. And then have nothing next year. Yeah. They should have. Sure, I'm sure there'll be Warzone Well, they'll have Warzone seasons or whatever, yeah. for sure. But, like, they probably should have held the new Warzone until next year. So that they have tr- something they, new to release. They seem to be treating those as two very separate IPs. They do, so. yeah. Which is why I feel like they should have waited and had something Call of Duty related. To I think they think year. it's more important to keep the 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 Warzone momentum going. It's possible because that also is turning into a cash cow for yeah. Because releasing Call of Duty is not going to help or impact Warzone really. Yeah. So you might as well just keep that rolling. It just feels like it's going to be out of sight, out of mind for a long time. I think at this point they've just settled into what you know their their playable com- playing community, and it's time to milk them. Yeah, it's sad, um, but I don't expect any big news. I don't think like in two weeks we're going to get this announcement that like EA was purchased by PlayStation oh, or a, anything no. like that. Like, no, this is going to drag on. But look, they've staked the claim. They've they're out there now saying, look, we're listening. Um, so I would expect the chatter to pick up at the very least now that they've gone so public about it. Although I'm guessing every major publisher, every major media company knew that EA was out shopping itself already. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that's going to change much either. So it's uh, a yeah, I mean, changing are, landscape. Odds are this is you know this was leaked by EA themselves. Yeah, be like who wants who wants a piece of us kind of things, and it's like mm, that's cool. <laughs> Well, it's funny that like wait until story... you're a little more desperate. Thank you. Well, right. It's funny that the story leaked out and an acquisition hasn't happened. No, nobody <laughs> wants that. It's it's sad. Well, uh, like, well, I mean, if you, I mean that statement you read, like the fact that they seem to even if it's just rhetoric that the, that they seem to think they're negotiating from a, from a position of power is mm-hmm. like, well, then why are you selling yourself? Yeah. Like, like it's just delusional. It is delusional. So yeah, it might just be PR speak, but it still comes off as ridiculous. So yeah. I'm sure that anyone with interest or money to acquire these uh, this company is basically be like, yeah, we wait a couple years. They'll you know let let them have a few more bombs. Um, <laughs> let them uh, you know let them uh, let Dragon Age Four come out. Let let them let them have to make that choice about Bioware. Yeah, see what that does to their value. That's true. Yeah, you would like to be able to wait until like the new Mass Effect came out. That's <laughs> but that's too long. No, that's that's an eternity. That's way too long from now. Yep. So there you go. That's the latest on EA. There's obviously all this news we just share with you, but I don't expect a whole lot to be happening here in the near future around it. No, like the thing that EA could do could do best if because like, they're not going to get acquired is that they should sell off parts of their IP catalog. They should just sell off parts of their vault. Yeah, like. Sure. They're not going to do anything with it. No. Like, you haven't touched Starflight in 30 years. Yeah. You haven't made anything out of any of the, You know, just, just let someone who's interested make Wing Commander. Right. Let someone who's interested... You know, they, they did that just with... take a little cut up from, like, each game sale or whatever. Yeah. Like, just throw something out there. So it's at least relevant. Because yeah. right now, 95% of his catalog is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Let's take a look at chat and see what people are saying about this. Um, oh, we have some questions. Mark Simpson, UK. Given the Ukrainian conflict dominating the news and the uses of tech in that theater, do you think realistic military games will see a resurgence? The games industry will look to make a buck or two out of anything. That part is true. I think that's too hot a topic. I think people don't want to touch it. No. <laughs> also, by the time you you got anything made off of that, it would be 2024 at the earliest. And who knows what people are going to feel about that by then. I just um, feel like we're getting enough military shooters already. Like, yeah. I don't think they're, they're like, not... I think they're saturated just the perfect yeah, amount I mean, already. Theoretically, I guess there is room for, like, a game once the, once the conflict, the Ukrainian conflict is more settled... Sort of about like kind of the you know you could probably do a campaign where like the heroic Ukrainians throw off the 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 Russians and um, that kind of thing, but like that's going to take time for that to be settled and not turn out to have tons of atrocities, which it already does. Yeah. Like I I don't see how you portray that and have fun with it. You know, like like it's it was hard enough the, the Middle Eastern conflict stuff that Call of Duty used to do in the in the modern warfare stuff could work more or less because you could sort of Tom Clancy it and no one really cared, like. That's the thing is, like, no one really cared about what was happening there or the people it was happening to. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a horrible thing to say, but it's true. Like, you know, no one... The, the, the human cost on the ground of the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and all that was not really something that Westerners thought about too much. Yeah. And in this case, what's happening to people on the ground in Ukraine is sort of the focus of a lot of the coverage. So I don't think... Like, I don't think you can... It's, it's, it's like you... It would be like making a whole game out of no Russian. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just yeah. like I don't see how you win. You have that. to dance around so much yeah. to that. Like, like you're literally too soon. Yeah, you're literally selling yeah. a game about the deaths of people's relatives at that that point. are alive. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not like making a World War II game or like making a you know you're making a game in you know, Modern Warfare. You were doing that, but like you weren't really selling it in those areas of the world. So you kind of had a plausible deniability of like, well, you know, some Kurdish village who's whose people were killed by U.S. bombings or, or stray missiles or, or, you know, Saddam's, you know, like purges or whatever. Like you're like, you're no, they're never going to see this, you know, it's like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, Ukraine's definitely going to see that somebody made a game out of them, you know, losing their homes. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it, it's not a thing that anyone's going to want to touch. What well, too, it's like, no Russian is in modern warfare too. Mm-hmm. That's coming out here in the next few months. Yeah. How you think they're gonna cut it out of the game? You, no. How do you think? Do you think they'll just leave it the way it was? It'll just be the same thing. Where I go, you can skip it if you want. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I I don't think that the war in Ukraine will have a lot of effect on games. If anything, I kind of agree with Matt. I think it, they may it may cause developers to dial it back. Yeah, I think you're gonna see more historical stuff, and I think you're getting to the point where like someone's gonna figure out how to do Vietnam. Yeah. Like. I don't know how you do Vietnam, but I think you do Viet. You you can figure a way to do it where it's like it's you know, but like then you, you there's a real racial component to like sort right. of the the sides on that. So I don't know how you balance that. Like it really is getting to the point where maybe you just got to do like future stuff that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, or just fight Russians. Yeah, I mean that's sort of safe. Yeah, thing. the whole world will enjoy that. Yeah, I, th- I think you need to get to a point where uh you know, get back to our safe. Uh, are safe enemies, which are uh, zombies, aliens, and Nazis. Yeah. Although I guess the Nazis are going to be upset about that at this point. Huh? <laughs> a group of people I didn't think existed anymore, and oh, was I wrong. Certainly not in those numbers. Yep. Uh, let's see if anyone, anyone else has any comments. Um, Retro Current Gamer, do you think EA will merge with Ubi or Take-Two might buy them? 
No, UB isn't in a position to do that. Well, take two. It's trying to get into sports games, and so there's a little bit of synergy there. But I think take again, two, I think the price is just going to be too high. Yeah, I mean, well, also because you don't get the sports games if you do that, right? Like you, you know, the NFL could take their license and walk. Still, you get the studios that made the sports games. Yeah, though. but like, what good does that do you if it's not an NFL game? Yeah. Well, I mean, you would own Tiburon at that point. You'd have the studio to make a great NFL game, but at the same time, Take you have... Two had the studio to make you, a great NFL right. game already. Well, I don't know if a lot of the people are still no, there. but they had one and they gave up when they lost the license. So right. I don't think I don't think that's in the cards. Yeah, um, it's just I just think that they're asking too much, honestly. Um, and I think that's the big problem. I think it's going to continue to be a big problem for them. Um, Mark Simpson says I was thinking of a game similar to the Homefront series. Sneaky says a Spec Ops remake. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're <laughs> any any developer is going to push the envelope with a game like Spec Ops right now. Mm-hmm. It's just too sensitive. Um, a casualty says the EA market cap is three times bigger than Take Two, so yeah. there's no way they can buy EA. Yeah, it should be the other way around, and EA's trying to sell itself. So what does that tell you? Things are not going good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like EA cap. may have a market cap of that, but the, I don't think they're worth that if you're buying them. Like, you're t- it's it, you know, there's a point at which you're like this, this you know, copy of X Men number one is worth. Okay, we'll find someone who can who pay that much for it. Yeah. There's a difference between perceived value and what you're actually going to get. Um, people are mentioning Skate Four, which hmm. that's also I feel like at least a year and a half, two years away, something like that. So. Uh, so there you go. That's EA. It's got it's, it put itself out there. I just don't think there's going to be any takers. I just no. don't. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about a big deal that at the time Xbox didn't think was a big deal, but ended up becoming a big deal, I think. And that is that this week it was reported that essentially the holders of the Spider-Man license, Marvel, was, and here's the surprising part to me of this whole story, Matt was disappointed in the games that Activision was making, the Spider-Man games that Activision was making, and Mm -hmm. decided to take the license away from Activision and then shop it to both Xbox and PlayStation. And Xbox passed, said it wanted to focus on its own in-house IP, which at the time, I believe it was 2014? Yeah, that's about right. Around 2014. This was when... Microsoft was mired in the either you play Forza, Gears, or Halo, or you're playing nothing on our platforms. Well, they weren't quite there yet. They were about they, to enter that world. I mean, they were, really. Sort of. Like, I don't think they'd recognize it as a problem yet. I think we had. I think if you go back and yeah. watch Game Face from 2015, we were talking about it back then. A little bit. But in 2014, like, they, I don't think they'd seen that about, yeah. about themselves yet. Yeah. Well, apparently, they felt that they had enough of their own IP in-house that they wanted to push and support that they didn't want to work with Spider-Man. They went to PlayStation and said, hey, what will you guys do with this? And PlayStation bit, they gave it to Insomniac, and the rest is history. Now, the question I have, Matt, and you're a great person to answer this, is how big of a deal did this end up being? And again, I want to give credit to the person who broke this information. And this comes from Stephen Kent. Do you remember him, Matt? No. He wrote video game books way before Jason Schreier did. He was like kind of the video game book guy. Hmm. He wrote tons of them. 
But this is from his latest book, which is The Ultimate History of Video Games, Volume 2. Um, and he talked to the head of Marvel Games, and he, re- and he revealed how Xbox turned down an opportunity to make licensed games shortly before Sony made a deal to make Spider-Man on PS4. Um, Executive VP and head of Marvel Games, Jay Ong, explained how the company cut its earlier deal with Activision short in search of a better partnership because it thought Activision's games weren't good enough. Ong and, said and that they when weren't. They, you don't think they were or they weren't? They were not good. We had friends who worked on those. Yeah, not the last couple, though. Like, they were gone by then. Yeah. For the most part. Like, the, but, you know, the Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 games were just... They were... they were Activision was waiting at the license, too. Like, mm-hmm. no one wanted to make those games anymore. Okay. So. Um, Ong like, said that when the deal was made to walk away, Activision asked, quote, What are you going to do with this IP after you get it back? To which Ong replied, I'm going to find a better home for it. And then according to Ong, Activision's reply was, good luck finding your unicorn. <laughs> and then off he went. And Some, somewhere Ted Price was sharpening his horn. <laughs> and Ong, just to, to reiterate what I was talking about a minute ago, Microsoft's strategy, according to Ong, was to focus on its own IP and it decided to pass on the offer. And then he said, I sat down with these two execs from PlayStation third party in August 2014 in a conference room in Burbank, and they took the deal. Mm-hmm. How big of a deal do you think this ended up being in the grand scheme of things? <coughs> for whom? For both. Uh, I mean, it was a big deal for Sony, obviously. I don't think it's that big a deal for Microsoft. How, why would it be a big deal for Sony, but then not a big deal for Microsoft? Because what, what Microsoft would have made would have been garbage. Why do you believe that? Because I don't know who they had and who would they have gotten to make it. They had no Ninja one. Ninja Theory, could... maybe. Were they? Or back up for then, that? they didn't have Ninja Theory. No. Yeah. They I don't did... know who they would have. They didn't have make... anyone. They yeah. didn't have. Like, they would just made another bad Spider-Man game. And EA, or not EA, uh, Sony had Insomniac. Yeah. Like the, the the magic potion in this equation is Insomniac. If Sony doesn't take it, you don't get these games. You get some other thing. Sony did not own Insomniac at that point, though. No, but they had that close relationship with them. And, and in it, fact, at that point, wasn't Insomniac working on an Xbox exclusive? Uh, no, they'd already made that. That had already released by 2014? Uh, that, I think by, it was right around then, yeah. It was either mm. 2013 or 2014. We mentioned this game last week and we forgot. Sunset Overdrive. Sunset Overdrive. But it had to have at least been in development. Yeah, they de- I guarantee you they showed them Sunset Overdrive in preparation for why they should get the Spider-Man, Spider-Man shot. Game. Because yeah. there's a lot of Sunset Overdrive in Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, which is, ex- make- because it was an Xbox exclusive, makes it even funnier. That, like, you know, there pro- I guess there probably is a, a timeline where my Xbox could have seen the possibility and gone to Insomniac and said, hey, Sunset Overdrive didn't, didn't sell too well, but you want to take a shot at this. Mm-hmm. And we kind of got the same thing. Um, I don't know, but uh, frankly, I think the version of things as they turned out were pretty good. And odds are that if you don't have Insomniac in that mix, you're not going to find anyone who really uh, blows the doors off this franchise the way they did. Nikki just mentioned in chat that Sunset Overdrive came out in October 2014, mm-hmm. so August three months after. Yeah, so th- they were pitched the Spider-Man license. Sunset Overdrive was released. Mm-hmm. So there was that's def- odd timing. So you wonder who in that room knew or had any contact with Sunset Overdrive at that point. Um, I don't know. Like interesting, um, huh? It's uh, I just don't think the Microsoft of 2014 had that kind of vision. Um, I don't. I, I have a hard time seeing a scenario back then with the people who were. You know, we were talking about the Microsoft that like decided to make the Xbox One basically a set top box mm-hmm. and de-emphasize 
all the video game elements and dismantle their second party network that they are still you know they're still in the process of rebuilding from the 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 choices that were made 10 years ago right um I don't think the Microsoft of that time period had the capability of getting a good Spider-Man game out the door. And so you I think, think it Sony worked did. out well for both sides. Um, I mean, I I don't know. Xbox would have wasted a ton. I don't of money. think it would have made a difference to to Microsoft really. I think it would have uh, horribly damaged the Spider-Man license, uh, and it would have beyond what Activision had already done with this. Prior it would have deprived Sony of a. It would have deprived Sony of a. You know. 15 million seller plus whatever miles did plus whatever spider-man you know there's a huge there's huge franchise right there that's one of their tent poles now yeah and it would have uh, definitely affected the financial futures of insomniac because i'm pretty sure that their work on this is one of the reasons sony acquired them yeah um so yeah it would have changed the financial futures of a lot of people involved uh, but i really don't think microsoft really comes out any worse or better either way i think microsoft would still be in the situation where They'd had all their stuff dismantled, and they'd have to be slowly rebuilding stuff, and they still have nothing to release this year. And the, you know, I don't think it would have changed anything. I think you would have gotten another mediocre Spider-Man game if that game ever even came out. Right, like a knows. bunch of the stuff Microsoft worked on at that time never saw the light of day in the end. So, no, I don't have any confidence in that mid 2010s Microsoft to even get this thing out the door, let alone make something good. I think in the end, everyone got what they wanted and got what they deserved. <laughs> so. Do you think that Spider-Man is a console seller? Do you think anyone buys PlayStation consoles because of Spider-Man games? I did. Did really? Well, I mean, you're going to buy it no matter what. I'm going to buy it no matter what. But one of the the main reason I wanted a Spider a PS5 on launch day was so I could play Miles Morales on a PS5. But yeah, I mean, you could also play it on PS4. I didn't want to. Uh huh. Um, do you think for the general public that the Spider-Man games are yeah convince them to buy consoles? I know three people who bought a PS4 for Spider-Man. Really? Yeah. Okay. Or PS4 Pro. Right. Um, yeah. Or, I mean, wait, did it come out... When did it come out in the PS4's life cycle? Um, what was that? 20... I'm trying to remember. Can't remember. 2017? Is that right? That was a long time ago. When did... Well, they signed the deal in the end of 2014, so yeah. they figured it takes at least two years. 2017, so. was that... Yeah, maybe... Was 2018? 2018. It was the end of 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So... You're not really relying on any game to sell consoles at that point. No, but I definitely know people who bought a PS4. Pro, you know, I, I, when one of them already had a PS4 and upgraded, but they for upgraded Spider-Man. to play Spider-Man the best they could. Yeah. Why do you think Spider-Man is so big? Because he's the biggest superhero in the history of the superheroes. But why though? Um, I think because he's. Reg- what is it about Spider-Man? Um, I think it's because he's a person. Like that, he's, he's a normal. He's human. relatable. Like that. That was. It was why he's always been. Like he was. He was the first superhero to be a person, to be a, a teenager with normal problems. Like that was the whole concept of Marvel in the, the 60s. duality of his life. Was the idea of like, the idea of like he was a he, he had money problem. You know, because Superman, you know, Batman was a millionaire, and right. he, you know, and Superman had a steady job and never worried about rent or anything. So you know, Spider Man, his life sucked. Yeah, he, he had he had to worry about where his next meal was coming from, but he was throwing himself out there to do the right thing anyway. Like that was the, a, a compelling idea. There's always been, you know, the shorthand for the difference between Marvel and DC is the DC DC superheroes are gods trying to learn how to be men, mm-hmm. and super and Marvel superheroes are men trying to be gods. Hmm. Interesting. I never heard that before. um, With the exception, I mean, even Thor, you know, they got into a more human version of Thor. You know, Mm -hmm. that that was the idea was like, you know, take the take the mythic off these guys and just give powers to a normal person to see what What happens. Marvel's characters were always more flawed and always were a little more, you know, subject to the whims of fate and 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 that kind of thing. Um, It's why, you know, Iron Man wasn't just, 
you know, a, a rich guy who had a suit of armor, he had to struggle with the morality of uh, making weapons and having a drinking problem and all that, you know, and eventually, you know, things caught up, you know, eventually you had stuff like the, the more, uh, you know, some of the more human characters in DC did that, you know, like Green Arrow with his, you know, his sidekick was addicted to heroin at one point in the, in uh, the 70s, but like, uh, and there's, a, you know, a lot of lessons have been learned, but Spider-Man has been popular in that regard because he is a relatable character. He is a human being who happens to be, have thr- great responsibility thrust upon him. That's what's compelling about him. And he reacts, you know, hopefully he reacts the way, you know, a lot of us might react in those situations. And that's interesting. Um, I think, uh, and I think uh, they took some, they've taken some risks with a character in, in recent years. Uh, even in the the portrayal in these games where he's more of a super genius and he works at a a lab, you know, he's not really struggling in the way he used to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons that Miles Morales has risen in popularity, not just because of the diversity quotient, quotient, but because Miles is kind of more Peter Parker than Peter Parker is now. Mm-hmm. Miles is That's more st- point. Yeah. Miles is more street level now. Miles has the relatable problems. Miles is trying to figure out how to live his life. You know, Peter's kind of figured it out yeah. to some degree, especially in these games. If it, it feels like Spider-Man kind of has it together for the most part outside of the tragedy that happens in the first game, especially in Miles Morales's game, like you're like, "Oh, Peter's doing great." Like, you know, Miles got to figure shit out. Um and doesn't want to ask Peter for help cuz Peter's kind of got his own thing going on. Like and that's a compelling situation too. Yeah. Like I think you know, and Spider-Man also has always had exposure. Like P- Spider-Man has had an animated TV show on the on the air since the '60s. Like I grew he, up with it as a kid. Yeah. I was obsessed with it every day. I couldn't wait yeah, for it, Spider-Man. The first live action, you know, right. the the Power Rangers genre was invented by Spider-Man. Yeah, we talked about that the was, Spider-Man films yeah, last week when we were talking was, about uh, Evil Dead. That was, uh, you know, the, the Japanese version of Spider-Man decided to just make him a guy who put a spider outfit on and had a giant transforming robot. And that was the first <laughs> giant robot TV show. That was the yeah. first Power Ranger style, you know, Super Sentai, uh, the Ranger show that, you know, premiered in 74 and is what they used footage from to make Power Rangers and have for the last 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. If they made Back to the Future today, Marty McFly would go back to 1992. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so, he, yeah, he's been horrible, hugely influential. Everybody knows who Spider-Man is. Uh, there was also a weird thing where, like, one of the things... The, the amazing thing about Spider-Man as a character is how well Stan Lee and all the people who've written him since sort of figured out how people of different types and different walks would react to him. And I remember as a kid seeing the cartoon and seeing Spider-Man and his amazing friends and reading the comics and thinking that J. 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 Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson was ridiculous because like he, you know, he thought Spider-Man was creepy and like Aunt May thought he was scary. And I was like, who would think that guy's scary? Who would think he's scary? And he's bright red. Right and my mom, I remember like, when she found out I like Spider-Man was like, oh, I don't like Spider-Man. I think he's creepy. And I'm like, oh, that's a, like real people do think that he's why do you think he's creepy? Like, I don't know. He's like. He's, he crouches down and he's like a spider and it's weird. And it's like, oh my God, my mom's J. Jonah Jameson. Like, like, That's funny. So like there was a verisimilitude to him that just wasn't there for a lot of the other superheroes, including Marvel. I mean, the Avengers were like that too. The Avengers felt like, you know, cops basically mm-hmm. when I was growing up. You know, and they still do to some They degree. do. Yeah, yeah, they feel like the world cops. Spider-Man. The cops. Yeah. And Spider-Man. You know, there's a reason it took Spider-Man until the 2000s to join the Avengers. Well, to your point, a lot of people in chat are saying that Spider-Man is really important to them. Yeah. Um, Schneeky says, I know three people who bought PS4s for Spidey, the red mm-hmm. PS4. Justin Horman says, Spider-Man 2 is the reason I'm going to get a PS5 eventually. Yeah. Um, Erebus Jones yeah, That's a good says, reason. 
Erebus Jones says Spider-Man is the reason I want to own a PS5. Spider-Man was the game of last gen for me. Wow, that's mm-hmm. a that's a bold statement. Um, but it's not an uncommon one. Yeah, I would never say that. But and I'm a big Spider-Man fan too. Um, and then Justin Horman brings up that either this year or next is Spider-Man's 60th anniversary. Yep. A lot next, of people talking next. about how New York is a great setting for video games and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of cachet. It's odd to me because. I don't feel this way about Spider-Man. And I have been a Spider-Man fan since I was a child. I mean, he's probably my favorite superhero. There are degrees of Spider-Man fandom, though. I guess so, yeah. Um, and I maybe I haven't ascended to that, that upper echelon yeah. of Spider-Man yeah, there's fans. Something, but... something you'll realize when you get really into the like the various superhero fandoms. There are, there are characters that mean... Um, a tremendous amount to people mm-hmm. uh, that that hit on a certain you know vibrational frequency for them that nothing else ever has, mm-hmm. and that they hold very close to their hearts. And that's one of the reasons these Marvel movies are so popular is because uh, the MCU movies have found a way to sort of uh, engage that th- that sort of phenomenon with people who go just see the movies and don't read the comics. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things that people co- who are constantly sort of like ragging on the Marvel movies don't seem to get. Like, why are they so popular? Because people want to see these characters over and over again. Yeah. Um, people want to revisit this stuff. And like, so, you know, I've run into people and like, it's weird how people latch on to one, one or the other. Like I've run into people who, you know, who, whose lives would be different if Captain America wasn't part of it. Right. You know, who, and, and like you could be anything like people. There's people who think Daredevil, who, who like, you know, who, who use Daredevil as a touchstone for their for their lives. And I'm like, I can't imagine caring about Daredevil to that degree. Yeah. Daredevil was ba- to me growing up. Daredevil was basically like boring Spider-Man. Yeah. Like he was like the other guy. Well, I think the Spider-Man Netflix show with. helped a ton with that. The I, Netflix, I really liked the Netflix show. The Netflix, I didn't care the about Netflix show did much. not make me think Daredevil was any less boring. Really? Playing. I thought the first season was great. First season, Second season, first eh. season was good start, good end. But like all the almost all Netflix shows, the middle was yeah. just <laughs> a slaw. They're making a new one, you know. Yeah, they revived it, right? Not yet, but they're going to yeah. do a, a new Daredevil series that is actually part of the MCU. And I know the Netflix ones are supposed to be part of the MCU, but they they really aren't. They're, yeah, most of the Netflix stuff that Mar- for Marvel, I just I would not assume that that's part of canon. No. I wouldn't but, think so. But again, I really did like the Daredevil series. I thought it, the first season yeah, was great. moments. I thought the Daredevil, I, it also came up with a actual interesting way to portray the Punisher. Yeah. Which is unusual. Yeah. I, mean, I was actually interested in what was going to happen with him. And then they well, decided. Well, cast to, it as well. Then they just, oh, he's coming back. So, mm-hmm. uh, but then they decided to um, just have the second half of the second season be about a very boring spin on how Elektra and the hand works. So that's the thing that I think is going to make it obvious that the new Daredevil stuff is not canon that the netflix stuff is not being ignored is i don't think there's any way that feige is going to not want to do electric correctly mm. so i i think we'll, we'll see uh i will say that i was not a huge fan of charlie cox in the role of daredevil um but i really loved what he did in the five minutes he was in spider-man no way home um so i'm like oh maybe it was just the material like he already won me over more as daredevil in that one scene than he had in all of season one of daredevil so, I have a question, actually. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but again, these characters mean a ton to people. Yeah. And Spider-Man is probably more than you know. You, Spider-Man, Batman, Wonder Woman, um, those are probably your holy trinity of uh, of characters that people like get tattoos of. I would <laughs> think. You know. I have a question for you, and you can probably answer this. How do they explain holy quadrilogy? Rather, there's four of those guys. I, just, I mentioned four people, not three. Yeah. How do they explain the eyes on Spider-Man's suit emoting? Um. 
Like changing for his race, uh, like the, facial expressions. In the context and... of like these games and like the MCU, they are computer controlled. They are they are reacting to his facial expression. In the comics, that just started to be a thing that artists did. Okay, they have never explained that. They have in the comics. Okay, really. and sometimes some artists don't do that, and but a lot of them do. Um, you know, I and, but you just don't think about it. You know, that's 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 all. Like, yeah, you know, I remember. I can't remember when that started. I think sometime in the late seventies, early eighties, where like, if, you know, he would squint with them, to, like show skepticism yeah. and stuff. You know, I think that that's just basically an artistic license thing. Okay. And um, and then I think the movies basically started making it be uh, the MCU movies uh, have it be Iron Man tech. But it also can just the Daredevil movie, uh, not Daredevil, uh, Deadpool. The Deadpool movies, his his eyes do that, but there's no explanation for it. They're just animated. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. not. A, I just wondered if they'd ever explained it. it it's just because usually way, they do explain stuff like that somehow. They tend somewhere. to, but in in the case of that, that is basically just it's better to be able to have him make facial expressions. Yeah, that's all. Obviously, yep. So anyway, there you go. That's the history of Spider-Man video games. I think they're in. Pretty safe hands now. What do you say, Matt? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think we're in, we're good. Very, very not concerned about yeah. that one. Maybe maybe the only superhero I'm not concerned about. Yeah, and then you do start to wonder, like, at what point does Insomniac burn out on making Spider-Man games, and does it? Well, that's kind of the attempt ge- to kind of get out from underneath it a little bit. That's the kind of genius of it. Is like I don't think you run out of Spider-Man stories. Like, no, you won't. Like you no. can you can and like they got the template. You don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. Mm-hmm. At most, you could go to another location. Like at some point, yeah. that's the main thing with Spider-Man. I think at some point, New York's going to get boring, and you're going to have to like figure something else out but the genius of it is like you can still put new york in the game like even even a spider-man game where he ends up in another city or another planet or another dimension or whatever like you can still have new york there see that's what i think and i don't know what you know i I think and you've already built it so we've already built it might as well throw it in i think um you know i mean obviously spider-man 2 seems like it's leaning on the craven venom thing Mm -hmm. uh and i imagine there's some green goblin in there somewhere some you know something going on there but um, I think the the obvious way to place to go for the third one is multiverse, um, and there I mean you could you could basically do shattered dimensions, but good do it right yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> like like you know I mean, you, you do noir you know, you basically reskin New York and a bunch of you know you have yeah. noir and you could have twenty ninety nine you could right. have, you know you could do uh, an animated ver- you know, how great would it be to have to have like these these Spider Man you know this. Peter and Miles end up in the 1960s Spider-Man, like cell shaded and all animated yeah. out with like bad animation. Oh, I would so love that. How yeah. amazing! Like yeah. that would be, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, be, like I think you, I think that's the thing. I think you rip the multiverse open for for the third one and make that be like a potential big finale. And if someone and, the, and from there on, if I'm Insomniac, I'm like, okay, we can still make more of these, but we need some ideas worth doing. Like you need to give me a reason to make another. If I'm Ted Price, whoever's running Insomniac at that point, I'm like. Pitch me, like tell me why we need to make another Spider-Man game that isn't just because it's going to sell twenty million copies. Yeah, because if it's just going to sell twenty million copies and that's it, Sony can move it. Sony can make I don't know Sony Bend to make it or something. We'll support them or whatever. Um, but if Sony is going to spend their time on it, I think. And, I, and look, I don't think there's going to be a shortage of people with great ideas for it. At the very least, I mean, I, I vaguely know the guy who just got promoted to lead animator on Spider-Man Two, and that guy. Him alone could probably come up with another ten games where the story is for these things with the gameplay. Coming I'm not worried about the stories. It's just yeah. like the IP working on on the same IP for that long, the same animations and just everything. Like 
the other thing too is you have turnover. You have new people coming yeah. in, and maybe well, you put I'll tell you new this people much, on the Spider Man. This stuff. guy started as like a assistant animator on the first one, barely had any experience. Like he 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 never gets I mean, he animated almost all of Miles's weird trick stuff in midair. No, oh. like he did all he came up with all that stuff. Wow, like a whole bunch of work. Like a lot of it, like probably yeah. like sixty percent of it. Like and it's just stuff he thought of. Just yeah. he was like, oh, he, what if he could do this? Like and the one thing that he did say was. It never gets old. Okay. Spider-Man can do anything. Like, you, like coming up with a new thing for Spider-Man to like look at the, the creativity just in the, the the combat animations that you never even see. If oh yeah. You, if you unless you like record it and play it back like for B-roll mm-hmm. like this, like that goes that can go forever. And there's always going to be another animator that comes along that has their own some ideas other new spin on how Spider-Man whatever. should move or Spider-Man should fight. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the the beauty of having it be this eternal like evergreen IP is you're always going to have someone who's excited to work on it. Yeah. So I think Insomniac can keep that going for a very long time if they choose to. Um, and I don't know what the deal is there because like, they're owned by Sony. I mean, maybe Sony could just order them to, but Sony doesn't seem to really roll it could. like that. Absolutely, it could. But they don't really seem to roll like that. Yeah. Um, and also, once you've got Insomniac's kind of framework in place, there's no reason you can't like hand it over to somebody else and be like, hey, take your own shot at it. Yeah. Um, but in, I think Insomniac's going to need to have first refusal on that. Yeah. Uh, but I think we will definitely get a few more Spider-Man games. From Insomniac, you mean? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. They've got enough bandwidth in the teams that you could probably cross people over, and maybe somebody has a some maybe someone's tired of animating, you know, uh, zombies and, right. and people <laughs> being yeah, gruesomely right. murdered by Ellie, <laughs> and then they would like to draw the shocker yeah. for a while. Like yeah. maybe you could trans do some some you know some transfers here and there. Okay, so there you go. That's the past, present, and future of the Spider-Man mm-hmm. IP. One that I know oh, is they're near and dear to all your hearts. What do you say? Wolverine. Wolverine is the other. Good point. Uh, Retro current gamer. Uh, Wolverine's the other superhero I'm not worried about because Insomniac's making that one too. Yeah, I almost forgot about that because we got that little teaser and we haven't seen anything yeah. since. Well, I mean, I think that one's way down the line, but yeah, yep. I um, hope we get something worthy of uh, Wolverine Origins, uh, where Raven accidentally got a year to polish it. And it right, out right. Great. Like that. <laughs> well, it's coming from Insomniac. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I think I think it'll be good. I hope it's rated M though. I hope they give us a real. A real, a real Wolverine game. Wolverine thing. I would be surprised if it's rated M. I would, but not. I'm rooting for it. But I would I'd be not. surprised. Really? No. I mean, remember Logan? I mean, they don't have a lot of say over what Fox did, but Logan was a big hit. Like the Wolverine is a functional R-rated character mm-hmm. uh, if you want him to be. Also, like they're pushing some boundaries. I mean, the the gore in Doctor Strange Two is about as far as you can push a PG thirteen these days. Really, uh, I it's would got say. some gore in it. Oh yeah, wow. I mean a lot of it's implied because it's not like, but like, it's directed by the guy who did Evil Dead. Right. Like there's some, <laughs> there's a couple he things in it there. a little bit. Um, there's a couple things in there. Okay. Uh, and like I I think they're they're kind of leaning that way and like they're about to do a Blade move. Like put it this way, there's a couple scenes in Doctor Strange Two where I'm like, look, this is not like shocking to me because I've seen you know gore beyond anything in some of the movies i've seen in my time but i was a little surprised that it was in a marvel movie and i was like oh maybe maybe this is how they're gonna do blade okay i'm, I'm down with that like you, you make blade put blade on that kind of edge uh and not put it to r but kind of push the pg-13 gore to the about as far as you can go uh i'm down with that yeah. so I'm, I'm wondering if they're not all that against that and we'll also we'll see what that uh midnight suns thing looks like um, I think that, that's definitely going to be teen. At be teen, most, yeah. But I think they might push it a little bit here yeah. and there. We'll see. Um, supposedly they're going to show some kind of revamped version of that soon. I hope so, because that's a game that hopefully comes out this year. Yeah, I don't <laughs> we <know>. need them. <laughs> I'm hoping they got rid of that card system, right? Because that did not look very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Okay, 
that's there you go. That's Spider-Man Past, Present, and Future in video games. Next up, we're going to talk about Kojima and Norman Reedus because this week, old Norm stepped out of line, Matt. He he was doing... Yeah. This is what happens, though. I we, saw his novel at Barnes & Noble the other day. He has a novel? He's got a novel out, yeah. Like a fiction novel? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I can't remember the title. Sorry, Norman. But Do you like, think he really wrote it? <laughs> he probably wrote a draft of it. You know. He put up some bullet points. He was, he was in some meetings. He handed some bullet points to the ghostwriter. Um, well, it's, inter- it's interesting because typically you don't get pop culture icons. That's probably stretching for Norman Reedus. Yeah, I, Involved I, deeply in game development. Let's not go crazy. Yeah, exactly. But he has really been embedded with Kojima on Death Stranding from the beginning. And he... I don't think he swims enough in the games industry waters to understand how mm. important the information that he has is to people like us. Or maybe he understands that it's dumb that, <laughs> that, that things are, are that tightly wound on the, cause like that could be it too. Um, like why wouldn't you want someone to know what you're working on? Yeah. Like, like who cares? Well, <laughs> you may be right. He may just look at it like this is, this whole thing is so dumb yeah, that is- I'm not going to play. Also like if they're starting like mocap, like 500 people know this is happening. Yeah. Like the, 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 the production staff for this is going to be pretty extensive. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's the secrecy. Also, the secrecy thing goes way back to the old days when you were worried about someone stealing your, your gameplay concepts when, like, you could make a game in eight months. Right. You could you actually know, like, do that and, like, bring it to market. It's and... not really a thing anymore. Yeah. Like, it's not a thing. So, yep. Well, in an interview where he was discussing the really his real career, which is being an actor and now apparently an author, which I wasn't aware yeah, of. Yeah, a novelist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He let it slip that, like, yep, we're working on Death Stranding 2. And we just really started working on it in earnest. And, of course, then Kojima lost his mind and was like, yo, bro, like, he, I think he worded it like, you need to go to the quiet room, <laughs> <laughs> which is a part of Death Stranding. Yeah. And tried to make light of it, but, you know, that's about it. Honestly, that was probably all planned. Oh, you really? You think it was all planned? Kojima that's likes, how they were going to announce Kojima it? Kojima likes troll. Remember when he made the fake person? To, oh, like, right. Make up to, to like promote Metal Gear Solid Five and all that. Right. Shit. Yeah. This is probably a stunt. You think it was all set up? Probably. Kojima loves that stuff. <laughs> and and guess what? Now we're talking about it. Yeah. Otherwise, would we be talking? It's like oh, Death Stranding. Okay. But now it's like oh, Norman Reedus let it slip. Da, 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 da. Like that's just it's a more exciting way to announce it. Okay. I I I I don't always believe the oh it was a leaked on purpose thing. I think a lot of that's just like nonsense. Uh-huh. But in this case, Kojima's a troll. Like I I I think that probably is what happened. He's already with a line about the quiet room and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm I'm gonna go fifty fifty. This was a this is a, <laughs> this is a work. Okay, so now that we've established it was all fake, is this a good idea? Do we need Death Stranding too? I don't. Is but does anyone? <laughs> I don't think anybody needs Death Stranding 1. No, I'm being facetious. Obviously, there are people out there who liked the first Death Stranding, and they're going to want the sequel to it. But generally, the game did not sell especially well, even though it had Kojima's name on it, and even though it reviewed way too high, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to... like The name of a developer that was popular in the 80s and 90s is not going to really move units in the... 
mass audience anymore. They don't know who Kojima is. It is kind of crazy to think about it, though. Like, even Miyamoto at this point. Do most people who play games know who he is or care who he is? Most people? No. Yeah. They never did. I mean, I don't agree with that. I think back in the day when gaming was smaller, people knew who he was for sure. Not the majority, I wouldn't say. You think the majority of people owned a Nintendo Entertainment System knew who Shigeru Miyamoto was? I think by the SNES and N64 era, they did. I don't think so, no. I mean, he trotted out the N64 for all the promotion of it. Yeah, but most people never even saw any of that. I mean, it was all over American TV. Yeah, do you think they remembered his name though? No one. No I one mean, they, I think they remember what he looked like. Hardcore people remember, but like that, we even then we were the we were still a minority. Yeah, not as much as we are now, but yeah. back then we still were. That's, that's for sure. But the majority of people bought the Nintendo 64 do not know who Shigeru Miyamoto was. Yeah, but I mean now it's like people, even people who are hardcore into it, people who watch Game Face, because let's be honest, you know, it's the hardest of the hardcore people watch Game Face. I feel like even the cachet among that group for icons like Miyamoto and Kojima is just nowhere near what it was in like the late 90s, early aughts. Yeah, I mean, well, just the audience has grown substantially and is made up of people that just want to play a game and don't care mm-hmm. about all that. You know? Do you think that's what it is? They just don't care about the people that are making the games? That's what the mass audience for anything is. But why? why does that happen for video games but it doesn't happen for music or film where they worship the people who make it um well i think that's again hardcore versus mainstream like the the vast majority of the people who go to see marvel movies don't know who kevin feige is no i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the actors who are in the films well because the actors are right in front of you and yeah. that's not really what happens in video games. Yeah. You don't have the people who create it, actually. Well, no. Kojima does put himself in all his games, pretty much. But yeah, but nobody knows Miyamoto doesn't, that's for sure. Guy. Yeah. I mean, Miyamoto's been pretty low-key the last 10 years, really. I mean, he's, he doesn't really work directly on stuff. He's just sort of a figurehead. Producer. I mean, he doesn't really work on games at all anymore. No. He's working on their amusement parks and all this other, I believe, bullcrap. Like, I wish he was working on games. Because he's getting old, man. He's running out of time to, like, release a couple more opuses is that I, the I correct plural I for opus i think he's long done you don't think he'll ever make another game like directly yeah no. really no you don't think he'll make one last project nope huh never that's really disappointing to hear <laughs> i hope I you're wrong on that one i don't i think it would be uh just i think it'd be somewhat considered beneath him to I make think. a video game yeah, that's what, pathetic that's all that's what they do that's what nintendo does it makes games but he's too too big for that I, I don't think he is. I think it's the best thing he could do is make a video game. That may be true, but it's not going to happen. Wow. That sucks. <laughs> um, so to your point, you're saying, okay, you know, you don't equate actors to people like Miyamoto or whatever. Not. They're directors. Right. So producers. let's think about the directors and the producers of the MCU and stuff like that. Do you think the same percentage of moviegoers know who those people are as the percentage of game players know who Miyamoto and Kojima are? I'd say it's about that. Yeah. yeah. You think it's equal? Roughly. Yeah. Like, you know, knowing who... I mean, look, man, I can't name all the directors of the MCU movies because mm-hmm. they rotate so much. I know who Kevin Feige is. Um, you know, but the number of people who... You know, there's there's a, there's maybe 10 directors in all of Hollywood that people know off the top of their heads if you ask them if they're just random movie fans, you know? Yeah. Spielberg, George Lucas, even though he only directed, like, four movies. Um, who else? David Fincher, maybe? Yeah. Um, Scorsese, Coppola, you know, like classics that go back to before we were born yeah. in some cases. Um, uh, uh, Christopher Nolan, 
Like it's you know, and th- you know, hundreds of movies come out every year. Nobody, you know, people know maybe what ten directors off the top there. Probably. Head? Like it's it's just not that common. And, <clears throat> I think and even worse is... when you get down to producers, which is more what I would associate a lot of like the video game big names w- with, or producers. And with that, it's just like you mostly only know about a producer if they did something wrong. Yeah. Like Harvey Weinstein. I guess the music industry is a closer analog to what I was getting at. Yeah. Um. But again, you're talking about front people versus like the guy who mixed the album. Yeah. You know, like how many producers... Or maybe comparing, like, the lead singer to, like, the drummer. The drummer, right. Yeah. Like, I know the lead singer of The Cure, but I don't know who is the, who the drummer of The Cure is, right. necessarily, you know? Yeah. Um, how often does the drummer change and no one even notices, for that matter? I mean, yeah, a lot we, of times they're swapped we can't, out. We can't all be Neil Peart. Yeah. Right? That's one of the few drummers I know. <laughs> well, that's a good one to know. Phil Collins. Because he's one of the best. Phil Collins. Phil Collins, also one of the best That's kind drummers. of cheating, though. He's... Well, he doesn't drink. He quit became a front man. Yeah, he, yeah. You know. But early Genesis, like if you remember the early music videos, oh, yeah, yeah. he dr- was playing the drums in the music videos. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre how that happened. And then he then he started getting up and doing the microphone. Then he could cut back to him still playing. How are he playing the drums and he's singing? Yeah, that's crazy. Erebus Jones says Kojima isn't an icon; he's a cult leader. Yeah, some of that. Yeah. Flea slash people are starting to name off like backing artists that people recognize, but yeah. the fact that they're having to list mm-hmm. them. But what's Slash's real name? Right. What's Flea's <laughs> real name? Like it helps when you have a call sign like that. Yeah. You know. Sneaky just brought up uh, Taylor Hawkins, a drummer from Foo Fighters, who just died. Oh yeah. yeah. Looks, I, increasingly, it's looking like it was an overdose. Yeah. Well, look. To to be fair, I would not have known his name until i read those articles either yeah you wouldn't have known until he died yeah yeah most people wouldn't have and he's like the second front man like he sings some for foo fighters and look i think of i would think of myself as pretty much you know as in terms of music i am much more of kind of like the person who doesn't know kevin feige's name Mm. or the person who doesn't know me like i don't i do not follow music particularly closely i've never remember even my favorite bands i don't know who the viewer is in the band like yeah. i love the national i've saw, i've seen them like seven or eight times but all i know is the lead singer's name is matt that's it <laughs> like that's about <laughs> as far as it goes like it's just not a thing that i devote brain power to yeah it's interesting how in some industries the i, I guess in almost all of them you have to be front and center before people are going to remember you that's yeah people do not dig and investigate and who's creating the art that they really love, mm-hmm. which is interesting, I think. Like, there's, I can count on probably one hand the number of bands that I know all the members of, and it's like Aerosmith, the Beatles, like the, the Beatles, iconic bands, yeah, um, uh, the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. uh, ACDC, you know, like things like that. Uh, whereas, like a lot of others, like you know, even like I can't I remember the drummer or the bass player for Guns N' Roses. M- 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was it Dizzy? He's a guitar- guitarist. I think you're thinking of Duff. Duff, yeah. yes. And then, um, uh, you know, even like some of my favorite bands, like I just know the lead singer. Yeah, I think a lot of people that are that way because they're in the music videos. They're the people who are on camera most. Right. They get all the interviews. They do the interviews. And, yeah, they're the ones standing there. They're usually the best looking. It is always interesting though because they're not always the most interesting people or the people who know the music or how the music was created the best. That's but true. They're the ones yeah. who end up going front and center for a lot of the interviews. Let's get back to the nuts and bolts of creating another Death Stranding game. Um, do you believe that a second game will build on the audience from the first game, or do you think that the, the audience from the first game has hurt the potential future audience for the sequel? I don't know. I think it depends what it is. If it's just another UPS simulator, I don't see how you make any headway, really. And then it's a big problem as far as messaging that this isn't a delivery sim. This right. is 
That's not easy. Well, it's, well, especially when you're Kojima and you don't like to tell anyone what your games are. Right. And that like, doesn't help either. The idea that Kojima would get in front of anybody and be like, oh, this isn't like the last one. It's this instead. Like, that would be the most out of character thing he's ever done. Like, so I don't know. I, I mean, I imagine it's just going to be more of, you know, it's going to be the same but more kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you think that has a chance to be successful? I mean, I imagine it would do about as well as the first one. It feels like it's... I think this thing has kind of a cap on it. You know yeah, I mean? me too. It feels like the low-hanging fruit for yeah. Kojima's team. It's like we have all these character models. We have all this work that we've done already on this IP. There's also an element of like, look, if I thought... The, sort of like Stranger Things at this point, which is about to hit season four. If I thought there was going to be a compelling answer or compelling conclusion or a compelling story in here i would be much more excited about stranger things season four and with death stranding 2 it's the same way like if i thought you had any answers or any like resolution or any interesting things to say about the situation you've set up in this world i would be much more interesting no i didn't finish this game but i didn't neither did i because who's got that kind of time i'm wondering if like towards the end if something happened with the story that made it more interesting and i don't know i've read synopsis and i can't remember what happened anyway like, yeah I, I i read the spoilers for it i'm saying so how does this end i remember just being like, ah, okay sure i tell you the only thing that i really enjoyed about this game was like building highways with people <laughs> like i thought it was yeah. cool that you could build a giant highway and just like ignore the rest of the game <laughs> i like driving the an world. electric vehicle it was, i like the you know antagonists I liked the mystery behind it until yeah, it wasn't a mystery. Right, exactly. Yeah, the mystery is good <laughs> until you... Just like every Kojima thing is like, oh, the questions are interesting and the answers are terrible. That's a good way to put it, actually. It, it's easy to formulate really great questions yeah. around his stuff before you play it. because, And then you get the answers and they're never... The yeah, scenarios well, that I've created well, this, in my mind are better than what he ultimately right. well, created. Maybe that was happening with all the trailers where you were like, oh my god, this is so interesting. And I want, I'm like, I'm like, no, whatever the answer to this is, is going to be stupid. You did it's say Kojima. that. Yeah. And sure enough, like, I, w- right. I would have been glad to be wrong on that one because, again, like, there's some striking imagery in this game. Um, and I'm sure there will be in the next game. <laughs> Fire um, Native says, I love how original Kojima is with his naming Quiet the person that doesn't talk. Doesn't talk, yeah. <laughs> again. <laughs> Who do you think is the most overrated game developer in the industry, Matt? Um, of the I mean, guys that people do know, of all of the of the big guy, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's Kojima. You think it is? I mean, there's a there's a there's a angry voice in my head that wants to say David Cage, but he's honestly not big enough. Yeah. To, to be overrated. People do know who he is, though. Yeah, but a lot of the people know who he is now because he runs an abusive monster company, right? So uh, they can't hire enough people to make a Star Wars game. Yeah, which is like. I want to talk about something that you should not have to like put out extra want ads for. Yeah. Uh, somebody should want Star Wars on their resume more than they fear working for you. What about Sid Meier? Sid Meier's not overrated. No. I don't think I've He's built every- a big name for creating one game. I mean, he did a couple. He did uh, Civilization, Alpha Centauri. Right. No, I mean, things. just like one franchise that he's yeah. worked on. Most developers. Also, he. I think he sold. He was, his, I think he sold his name to that for a long time. He was really smart to force them to put his name in the title of yeah. the games. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is not. You know, a lot of people I think say Sid Meier's whatever without even thinking about the fact that it's a person. Yeah. You know. But like, Will Wright, like I think he's earned his reputation. More or less. Miyamoto's think, earned uh, his reputation. Miyamoto has. Uh, I mean. Yuji Naka, you could argue. Yeah. Is over, I mean, he's I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who really overrates him <laughs> yeah. anymore. I don't know if he like, is overrated There was anymore. a time when I think he would have been in that category. Yeah. Now it's just sort of sad. Um, American McGee? Yeah. Neil Druckmann, he's earned his he, reputation. He's earned it. 
Uh, Cliff Blazinski? Think he? Yeah, he I think it. he's earned his reputation. Yeah. You know, and, his, and Cliff's reputation isn't all good. Yeah. So like you know, he you know, and it's not. Every, people, you just stop. And he's earned all of it, though. Yeah. And, <laughs> he's he, earned, and he owns it. He, owns he earned it. the good and the bad. And he owns it. Yeah, you know? he does. Yeah. You know, he, he would like everyone to stop bringing lawbreakers up every day, but yeah. like you know, <laughs> anytime he says anything, it's like lawbreakers. Like shut up. Yeah. Well, I was surprised but, too that Reggie. Like I've been reading some of his book, and he actually had more input on stuff at Nintendo than I thought. Like, I really thought he was just, like, this figurehead guy that they trotted out for stuff. But he was actually in meetings where mm-hmm. they decided important things, and he ended up being the one who was right on a lot of stuff. At least according to him, anyway, in yeah. his book. Molyneux. Did he um, earn it? I think he earned it back in the day, and then he lost it. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, he I mishandled it. Because that's the problem. Is like, I don't know anyone who, like, touts Molyneux as, like, a... Not anymore. Game, you know, like it, it, it was, it was a rise and a fall. It wasn't like a, you know, it's like Kojima is like you're st- sitting here like, what? I mean, Nomura. Yeah, Nomura. he's overrated. Yeah, yeah, Nomura. Um, Spectre, he's earned his reputation. He Spectre earned it. Yeah. Um, you know, who needs to be taken down a peg. Is that Mavis Beacon? Who? Mavis Beacon. You know Mavis Beacon? I don't know him. Mavis Beacon teaches typing. No, uh-uh. she's she's a fictional woman who teaches from this typing series. You know no, what I, mean? I don't speaking? know. No, I don't know who that is. There's a typing is a typing uh, like not a game, but they're like te- they teach you type. It's called Mavis Beacon teaches typing, and she's like a fictional black woman who is like supposedly the the person teaching you typing, but she doesn't exist. Oh. But all the game, all the all the software is called Mavis Beacon teaches typing or Mavis Beacons whatever. Okay, um, no, I don't, I'm not familiar with that at all. One, I, 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 that's how I, one of the ways I learned to type was through Mavis Beacon. And that's one of my, uh, one of the, you remember they used to put, have those like video game tile generators, like back in the day. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And it would just generate a fake, like, and it would just generate like a funny title or whatever. One of my favorite, you know, ones I ever got in the history of all those you know, generators, those, uh, generators was Mavis Beacon teaches punching. <laughs> Which is, that's pretty like good. if you know the clean cut, wholesome image of Mavis yeah. Beacon in those typing simula- typing games, like that like Mavis Beacon doing like karate instruction is one of the greatest images I've ever had in my head. Uh, Mike's Q brings up Tom Clancy, but he was a he was writer. A, he was a brand. They name. just slapped his name yeah. on there. He's not Tom Clancy didn't even write most of his books. Like yeah. forget that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think the, uh, what I heard was the last Tom Clancy book that Tom Clancy actually really wrote was Rainbow Six. Oh. And that was when I was like in high school. Yeah, that was a long, long time ago. Um, who else? It's even worth bringing up. Chris Roberts. That's a good one. Yeah. Ted Price. He's earned his reputation. Chris, Chris Roberts, like, made one game and a terrible movie and then vanished and then came back and found the, the NFT scam before there were NFTs. Yeah. Star Citizen is pretty... Like, what it is, kind of is. How yeah. else do you describe buying imaginary <laughs> spaceships that you are totally going to be able to use later? I promise. That you will never use. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I was just going over with some people, like, like the Kickstarters that I've backed that never delivered, and there's three clang which was that um motion simulator uh sword fighting game that neil stevenson oh, was right, involved in and right. then just like sort of was like oh we were just gonna give you a demo bye and they vanished yeah uh this other like thing called i think called, called kitaru which was just like a jrpg-ish sort of thing that the guy just vanished seven years ago and it, and star citizen yeah still has not delivered huh. almost 10 coming up on our 10 year anniversary yeah i wow that's crazy the kickstarter was 2012 i do you think that most games industry icons, I think they've earned their reputation, though, on the, the whole. Part. The thing about Kojima is, like, it's not like Kojima should, should like, quit or stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just that, like... He's not, like, embarrassing it, it's just himself. Like, it's like, 
it's like you're not. It's, I mean, it's not you're not allowed to criticize him, but it's just like it's like his fans don't hold him to any standards. Yeah, you know, like they let his, everything just go. Like even yeah. the most diehard Miyamoto fans I know will be pretty honest about the shortcomings of Mario Odyssey. Yeah, you know, yeah. like. Or like anything, yeah, anything. Like I, Kojima is the only group that, only fan base I can think of that just will not allow the idea that he did anything wrong. It, that he's anything less than perfect. Yeah, yeah. Even when you're staring it in the face. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Sam Lake from Remedy, Cinetech brings up. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know that he's an icon, really. Yeah, I mean. Uh... Yu Suzuki, that's like me. That's the thing is like a lot of these guys like just don't have that rep anymore. Yeah, they've know? fallen off. Yeah. yeah, or they just haven't done anything in forever. They haven't really managed to stay relevant. I mean, yeah. a lot of Japanese and they just don't have. Like, you know, look, I, Yu Suzuki's made some of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, but like, is anyone holding him up as some kind of icon in the way they do with Kojima even to this day? Well, after no. Shenmue three, definitely not. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> but you know what makes Shenmue three a lot better? The, not playing it. No, the uh, <laughs> the patch, the the, the fan made patch I found that removes stamina from the game. Oh, really? That makes it a lot better. You have to play it on PC then. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there you go. You you think that this was all a setup? I think it's pretty likely that this is how they intended to you know reveal it. Yeah, and it hasn't seemed to really do much. I mean, we talk I mean we're it. talking about it, but it's the slowest damn like year for yeah, video games Yeah, well, they don't have ever. anything to show, so we might as well start the conversation, right? Yeah. Maybe we'll see something next month or something. Are you surprised how buddy-buddy Norman and Kojima became? Like, no. they're friends. They're not just, like, co-workers. No. Um, the, uh, I mean, Kojima, Kojima has always been something of a star fucker, for lack of a better yeah, term. Yeah. Like, he just wants to be... A part. He wants to be where the people are. Mm-hmm. Like he's a little, kind of a little mermaid about yeah. some of this stuff. You always want to be in Hollywood. You always, yeah. And like, I guess Norman Reedus is about as far as he's going to get. <laughs> as close um, as he's going to get, you mean? And I guess Reedus finds him interesting. I don't, I, I don't know what Reedus sees in him. I feel like money. Maybe, yeah, that's yeah. what he sees in him. But it's not like Reedus doesn't have other things going on. Like but he, it, I don't know. He's got a book coming out. He's got, <laughs> he's got stuff. He's got. He's, he's in stuff. I mean, look. I. I, I mean, I, the, look. The Walking Dead's winding down. That's where he's made all his money. Yeah. I mean, it's literally on its last, like, four episodes right now. It's, yeah. like, in its finale season, mid-season break right now. Yeah, but he's established. He's a character actor. He'll always have work. You He'll know? always be the gruffy motorcycle yeah, dude. He can, you're always going <laughs> to need a character that looks like Norman Reedus. Yeah, you know? <laughs> in, some, like, in some way, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's the right pick for what's-his-face in The Death character Str- from yeah, Death Stranding? Stranding. Like, he does seem like a weird choice. Yeah, like... Like I spent the whole of Death Stranding waiting for him to turn out to be some slimy weirdo, you yeah. know. Like, like, and I guess he's not supposed to. Be, like, he's supposed to be a good dude that you're you're yeah. rooting for, right? But yeah. like, Norman Reedus just makes me think he's hiding something, right? Like, I always he ex- only has one character. That's his problem. Yeah. He can't play multiple characters. He yeah. plays Norman Reedus. But that's what a character actor does. Like, yeah. the, you know, he, the, there's a there's a huge market and a huge you know niche for people Need. who can do that. Yeah. Um, for his character in particular, yeah, and he and he does it well. Yeah. It's just, I, he's trying to. He seems like, what's his name? I mean, what in, in Death Stranding? Death Stranding? I don't even remember. Do you remember the character's name? Something Porter, right? Porter, yeah, Sam, Sam, Sam Porter. Porter. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, like Sam. Like I think Sam's supposed to be like an up and up, straight up, likable yeah. guy yeah. who just has relu- has some problems and some reluctance, and th- you know, obviously he's got issues. But like, mm-hmm. I don't think you're supposed to suspect him of anything. No, and huh? I constantly do because I think <laughs> Norman Reedus is just sort of like makes me think. And maybe it's just because of who he played on Walking Dead. But I'm like, well, he's also the anti-hero on I'm Walking just, Dead. I'm, yeah, I'm just so. like, what is he? What is he really up to? Yeah. 
And the, and the answer seems to be nothing. Like, yeah, it's the same in Walking Dead. Yeah. yeah he always true. ends up being the good guy who saves the day at the end. Yeah, how often can you subvert my expectations before my expectations are not that expectation right. anymore? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, so anyway, we're getting another Death Stranding. I could really couldn't care less. No. <laughs> I mean, unless it turns out to be something like really different. I would just prefer that Kojima keeps throwing stuff against a wall until he finds something. Yeah, it'd be more interesting to see him try a new a new game. Do something else again, man, because this isn't it. This is not going yeah. to be your next Metal Gear. It's not. No. It's not going to happen. And if that's what you're shooting for, which you should, if you want your studio to be successful, you need to throw something else against the wall and see if it sticks. Because this did not. It stuck for some people, not with enough, unfortunately. No. Um, which is why it appeared on PC not that long after it was available as a PlayStation exclusive. So there you go. That's the latest on Death Stranding. A sequel is on the way. Next up, one of the few games we actually did manage to play this week, although much to Matt's chagrin, hmm. is... Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. It is a narrative-driven detective adventure. There's not a lot of action in it. No, it's like basically if what if uh, what if David Cage games had no budget, <laughs> like his first game, yeah. Fahrenheit, basically. Yeah, it is a little bit. In fact, it's it a looks, little bit it looks like, a little bit like Fahrenheit at times, <laughs> minus the giant fleas. I just yeah. connected those dots. It does yeah. appear to be a lot like Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, what was the studio that developed this? Do you know? Um, I can't remember, but they made the last vampire game to uh, Cottery or oh or Council Council. Oh, they've they're. I don't think they've done a whole lot. Um, doesn't I, don't, appear. I don't want to shock you, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's get this B-roll rolling here, because <laughs> this is where we're at, people. Oh, that's good. You get to see the pop in there. Yeah, this is um, set in the World of Darkness universe. Yeah. Uh, we've been waiting for Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 for and, forever. And we're going to keep waiting. It's I think, been delayed three I think that, times. I, I think that game is dead. It may be dead. That game, people have wanted it for over a decade now. Yep. And we thought we were getting it, and now it looks like it's stalled again. And instead, we get this, which is well, literally... We've got a few World of Darkness games. Like, we've gotten... There's been two other two other uh, vampire games. There's that werewolf, terrible werewolf game. Yeah. Um, Although, I think it was better than this. Uh, arguably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, was, it, <laughs> it really, moved faster. You're really splitting hairs there. Yeah. Definitely a lot more action involved. Yeah, I mean, the vampire games, when you get down to the, I mean, the, the tabletop game, is not especially action-oriented most of the time. Yeah. Like, this is a valid way to go with this. Um, also, this guy, uh, Galeb, he I cannot get over how much he looks like Agent York from Deadly Premonition with a beard. Oh, I think he looks like, uh, what's his name from Deus Ex? Oh, uh... I didn't ask for this guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, he, he, no, he looked the, the facial structure on him. It's, it's the agent York from deadly premonition, like with the dead eyes and shit. Like it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Fire native um, is asking like the darkness universe, like the game, the darkness. No, no. The this world of different... darkness is a Gothic punk. Uh, it was vampire, the masquerade werewolf, the, the apocalypse, uh, mage, the ascension, all that. It was a tabletop RPG thing from the early nineties. Um, and has gone on to today. And at some point, um, somebody bought the was it Platonic or something? They bought the 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 license from the the property from White Wolf, which was basically just languishing under CCP. It's definitely and not Platonic. Platonic 
is it's like some, the old I can't rare remember guys. who bought somebody bought the and basically it's just been like licensing it out to whoever wants to make a video game out of it, which is why we're getting all this shovelware. It's trash. Um, yeah. So the one thing I will give this game is it is it does a pretty good job of translating <laughs> the character models are so it's bad ju- yeah it's bad look at that but it translates the 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 skill <laughs> and conversational systems and persuasion systems of the tabletop game pretty well to a video game like, oh yeah like it's got you got the skill tree that's rough equivalent you can spend points of of hunger and willpower to use them and to influence people in conversation like it's very negotiation and subterfuge oriented um it's very inclusive. Like I was, I think it's pretty cool. It's like, you know, there's a huge diverse cast here. Uh, this one character has uh, uh, Vitiligo, which is pretty cool. And no one ever mentions it. Like I have never seen that in a video game. No, before. that's that's yeah. a first for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. Like, yeah, you know, I'm into that. Um, but like, other than that, I'm kind of out of nice things to say about this game. <laughs> um, this game is rough. Yeah, it is rough. Like. <laughs> I mean, you can look at, I mean, this is the game, like watching people talk like this. And I don't know if you've noticed also the, the little pop-up. T- t- look, man, like I played the, ga- the tabletop game back in like, you know, 30 years ago, back in the day. I vaguely kept up with it. I, you know, I'm somewhat familiar with how it works today and like how the updated systems they, they use now. Um, and if I didn't know all that and wasn't bringing it to this game, I'd have no idea what any of this is. Like what, I don't know what they're t- like. They explain a couple things in this where I'm like, what? Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And like they explain it wrong. And there's like things where it's like, like you're, you, when you talk to people and you need to use your like your uh, abilities to sort of like uh, influence them or, or you for a certain answer or for a certain question, you can use focus to boost at the cost of willpower, um, which is a limited resource you have until you sleep or, or suck blood or whatever. Um, you, you can boost it and up your chances, but boosting it um, ups the chance that they will boost their score. So you might still not, you might still turn out with a tie. <laughs> it's like a waste. Basically, it's a coin flip to see yeah. if you succeed or not. Um, but they don't tell, the game doesn't tell you what what the percentage you've increased their likelihood to boost their score was until after they do it. Oh. I'm like, well, then who cares? <laughs> it's like yeah, they boost it. Like, oh, they boosted it. Yeah, the, the oh, likelihood man. of the focus boost was 100. I'm like, well, that doesn't do me any good now, does it? Like, what? and like, there is an encouragement here of like replaying stuff because like at the end of sections, you get like a list of like, okay, here's all the things you accomplished. Here's all your successes. Here's the things you could have done differently, and here's the things you failed at. And based on what, and so it's it's actually kind of nice. Like, it's like, okay, so if you play this again, these are things you could have done differently. And so they give you an idea, at least, of where the branches are. But then you'd have to play but it again. But then you'd have to play it again. <laughs> and I will say, so I played this for a little while earlier in the week, and then I stopped. Yeah. And I was and I was like, I'll come back to it. And then I was like, maybe I'll come back to it if Shane makes me play it. <laughs> and then, like, when you ask, like, what did you believe? I'm like, I played Vampire, but probably not enough to play it, to talk about it. I could probably go back to it. And then you're like, why don't you do that? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. And when I loaded oh. it up after about 10 minutes, it crashed. And I had to load it up again. And... It started from the beginning, and All I couldn't save anything. Were gone. So I, there was no save. It was there was it, no save. I because I hadn't finished the first full episode, oh. so I had to play the whole thing again. Oh, and because it was all tutorial stuff, I couldn't <laughs> skip anything. It's what, amazing. What is the look plot? at that? Isn't that right, Zach? Like that is fucking. That's the guy from Deadly Premonition. <laughs> he grew a beard. Also, this woman, his his like uh, Zhu Feng, her lipstick pops in 
all the oh, time. There's on. so it's tons of detail popping on this game that I do not understand. Like it looks terrible. The animation on the characters in this game would be embarrassing on the 360. Yeah. And like like uh MM, like one of the other characters you so Galeb is one of the three characters you play, you switch between. It's Galeb who's like a Ventru, who's like a Ventru or like aristocratic vampires and rich vampires. Uh pretty much uh they're snobs basically, snob vampires, society vampires. And then uh MM is uh the the girl was the girl in the elevator you saw. Uh, she's a Toriador who are artists and she runs nightclubs and burlesque clubs and stuff. She has gold. Like, I don't know if they're tattoos skin, or like yeah. embedded, like, but they're in her skin and on her arms. And that gold changes shape about five <laughs> times a scene. Like it just like there's oh, times when it, it cuts back to, to a character that was just on screen five seconds ago. Like right here. Watch, watch Zhu Feng's lips. I bet it'll do it when it, when it cuts, cuts back to her. <laughs> Oh, it didn't. Yeah. That's MM. Uh, but that gold on her, like, that changes shape all the time. And then there, and, so she, and then the third character is uh, Laisha, who is a uh, Malkavian, who are, are the, the, all the Malkavians are crazy. Mm. They, they all have a derangement, and hers seems to be premonitions. Um, and she has, a, she has, like, a child, like a child vampire, like a, like a five-year-old vampire whose voice actress talks with a, a pronounced and apparent, I think, intentional lisp, and it drives me out of my mind. <laughs> like, it's, it's, like some of the voice acting in this game is just difficult. Um, but this is all story driven. So all how's story the driven. story? I mean, that's story what's is most important. I mean, it's. You, I hope you're interested in vampire politics, um, because that's all it is. It's a detective mystery, it's, though. It's what are they of, trying to figure out? Um, basically, like there was, there's supposed to be a big party. It takes place in Boston, and there's supposed to be a big party because the prince of the city, who's the vampire who leads the a city, um, she has finally negotiated a truce or a deal with a coterie of mages uh, who are from another RPG in uh, the World of Darkness to basically, and basically what would happen there is that because they the, the, the mages need blood for rituals, they would get it from the vampires. It would give the vampires control of, like, the underworld blood market. <laughs> okay. Which is a thing, apparently. <laughs> and, but, so there's, we're going to have this big party uh, celebrating this with all these VIPs there. And something happened. Like, the beginning of the game, you're called into the, that's the prince, the, the woman with the white hair. Uh, you're called in on a code red, which is the, you know, the, va- the, the name of the thing of vampires, the vampire, the masquerade. And the masquerade is the the front that you know you can't not allowed to let the world at large know that vampires exist. And if right. you break the masquerade, it can be like grounds for death, basically. Big, big, big taboo. Don't do that. Um, and apparently, there was a breach at the part, the site of the party before everybody got there, and something happened, and they don't know who's dead and who isn't, or what happened. If the deal's off, like what's going on? And so one of the things, so you, so MM uh, is trying to help her friend who was the planner of the party and thinks she might be made the scapegoat for what happened. Mm. Uh, Laisha is tr- is working for the prince and is trying to figure, being sent basically to investigate this stuff and is having premonitions about what might happen as a result of everything and trying to make sense of that. And Galeb, I th- it so far, is just sort of like trying to uh, figure out what's going on so he can use it to his advantage. Okay. Um, he's more of a, you know, the venturer climbers. Um so that's more or less what's happening. So you're, and you're trying to figure out who sabotaged things and who stole stuff. And, you know, so, uh, so far, MM stuff seems to be more investigative 
snooping and uh, Laisha. Laisha as well, because Laisha can turn invisible. Um, so she can, like, eavesdrop on things. And Galeb is more, like, uh, intimidating and convincing people of things. Like, okay. Um, but it's all talking. It's all talking and looking. Like, there's no combat so far. And even the, like, you're seeing here is, is how you suck blood from people. Is you find a secluded place and then you go uh, basically hold a button and tell them to come where you are and then you suck blood from them and there's a very confusing mini game where you're supposed to I mean the the, the tutorial on mine literally said to press the button the button not which <laughs> button to press but the button which turned out to be the right trigger uh-huh cuz the first time I actually killed her cuz if you don't you drank too much no cuz if you don't press the button you killed them the button if you do hold the button you have to so here it is yeah i don't I don't see where it says what button to press. <laughs> um, although there's a tripod in the way. But, like, you're supposed to hold the button down. I guess it, it says F, but that's not, I didn't see that on mine. And you hold it down, and, like, their blood meter goes down, and your hunger meter goes down. And if you don't release it in time, they die. Mm. And if you do release it in time, basically you want to hold it as long as you can. There you go. And so you got a pretty good amount out of that. And if you hold it too long, they die. And if you kill too many people, like your suspicion meter goes up and people, you get in trouble. Basically. Seems like it shouldn't be that complicated. It shouldn't be. Also, <laughs> it's their wrist. People don't bleed out that fast. Um, yeah. But it's just an example of how poorly explained all this is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And you've got, like, you can see in the corner, that's your willpower is the, is the, yeah, is the blue and the, uh, the, the purple is hunger. So the higher hunger goes over time, you know, the it basically changes your stats. So if like you have lower hunger, you're more composed. So you got like a ten percent bonus to like I think persuasion or something. And if you as you and minus ten to intimidation, and as you get more hungry, the beast starts to come out. So you are less persuasive. So but then you get more intimidating. Mm. And I think at some at some point, I think I haven't had this happen, but I think if you let hunger get too high, you can actually go into a frenzy and like ruin everything. Or, like, you know, just kill somebody you, you probably don't want to kill or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it really changes much, but, like, it's 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 there. They talk about it. I haven't seen any actual evidence of it happening. No. Um, if you can get past, like, all the technical issues in this, is this a good game to play for people who like stuff like Telltale and Don't Nod? Um, and, I mean, I wouldn't say Or is this the bottom of the barrel for if those you types don't of already, games? I think if you don't already have a familiarity with Vampire the Masquerade, you are not going to get anything out of this. Like okay. Because this game really assumes you know what this stuff is. There's a very extensive glossary and like kind of, you know, where you can look up what all the terms mean and who the characters are. But like, if you don't already know who the clans are, what the basic stuff is, what all these things, all these terms mean, like you're going to be stuck looking stuff up all the time or you're just not going to care. Yeah. And I don't, so it's hard to get past the presentation. It's very hard to honest. get past all the dead face. I mean, I know they're vampires, but they're not supposed to be that dead faced, yeah. you know? Um, and it's just, it's just feels archaic. Like, I mean, there is a, probably a decent, if you had animation, at least on the level of like mass effect two, in terms of how the, the, the conversations go yeah you might have something here but as it stands it's just sort of the like I, I just everything moves so slow and everything is just so stiff and the other thing is like I'm sure this is a side effect of COVID but like the audio quality of the voice recordings varies by line at which times. is huge for it's, a game like this and like where I, the story is the whole like, so, so this character this is the prince she and she so her lines in like a scene like this will be kind of in the same vein uh -huh, of um, of all the other characters talking in the scene. But when you get into a conversation with her, 
her voice quality changes. Like it's very clearly recorded in a different location. At home in her closet, louder, probably. Pro- yeah, it sounds like home <laughs> recording, and maybe the best they could do. But it's like, and and like it's clearly some rewrites and some re-recordings happened, and you can tell every single time when the re-recordings happened. It's there's no consistency to the voice quality. Cinetike um, is asking, did you play the council? It's from the same developer, and I found that one very interesting. How does it compare? I did not play the council, but I, I know it's the same people. Um, I, so I don't know. Okay. Um, I, this, this, from what I understand, is more based around sort of the, the skill mechanics, uh, whereas the council seemed to be more of like a visual novel kind of mm. thing. Um, How much is this game at? Full price. 60 bucks. Are you kidding me? And in fact, in fact, they sell a $70 special edition with extra outfits. Oh my God. Yeah. $60 for this? They're trying to get full price? Yeah, it's a full price oh game. Oh my God. It's not even on Game Pass. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. This may be the biggest avoid in the history of Game Face. It's up there. <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? I mean, Ball on Wonderworld is probably more of an Would avoid. you rather play this or Ball on Wonderworld? This. You'd Definitely rather this. play this? Yeah, because at least there's a story here. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Like I appreciate gosh. I appreciate what they're after here, even yeah. if they don't get there. Ball and Wonder World is just, it's just trash. trash. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as someone who doesn't know that much about the world of darkness, I mean this game looks like trash to me. The, you would have nothing you get nothing out of yeah, this. I, I, I there's no way I was playing this game. I investigated no. it. I was very happy to find out that you were playing it. Hmm. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. <laughs> So that's a huge pass. Yeah, do not. Like even do if you're a huge this. world of darkness person, it's a huge pass. No. I mean, no. Yeah. Wow. Full price. I thought you were gonna say like fifteen dollars. No, 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 no. This is a, a sixty dollar <laughs> game. I literally thought it was fifteen. Bucks. And honestly, I, it doesn't even seem that long to me. Like I feel like it, I, I. Were things winding down already? No, after they're a couple not winding hours? down. But I can kind of, you know, I have a sense for story structure, and I feel like I'm already hitting kind of the midpoint, even <laughs> after a couple hours, and like. Oh boy! I mean, it feels longer than that. And I looked up some reactions online and stuff, and like some people were basically who already finished it are basically saying like, you know, the systems are cool, but the the game's not long enough oh. to like let them develop to any point. And I guess you're supposed to go back kind of like heavy, ra- or like you know, you know, like the like the the Quantic Dream games where you can go back and like pick up stuff in the in the different parts as a different character and like replay them and choose different things. And I think it, when you go back to do that in this game, you you have the upgrades you got over the course of the game so you know like the first conversation you have with mm uh you have a dialogue option with a skill that you don't have yet mm-hmm. and i think you can go back and do that with that skill and kind of like play a perfect run sort yeah. of thing i can't imagine wanting to do that but like <laughs> boy they really overshot their interest in this game that is insane man oh my gosh yeah, okay well, well the council sounds a lot more interesting than this yeah, about the, historical character. I mean, it sounds yeah, like Assassin's Sanitite Creed says with the vampires. council is about historical characters like Napoleon and George Washington, the occult, a secret society meeting, and uncovering the mysteries and managing relationships with the other characters. Story was fictional, of course. Yep, we got that. <laughs> so this is a big void. I mean, this month was so bad. This was in dossier this month. It's mm-hmm. you know ten games worth buying this month. Yeah, like if. <laughs> If you're into vampire, I mean, I'm so, you know, I'm sorry. Like we're gonna still just hope that Bloodlines Two is gonna exist one day. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Weird thing. I mean, they, Ubisoft put out uh, a thing asking for a lead gameplay animator for Beyond Good and Evil Two today, 
Which A means I guess it's still alive. It's not dead. And B, it's way out. Which is insane. If they don't have a gameplay animator, like I guess the guy left. I mean, didn't Michelle like, Ansel leave? Yeah. I mean, so his, his underlings if are just going to finish it. He was ever there to begin with. Who knows? Yeah, who who knows? that game? He was there for their streams, but who knows? He may have just left and didn't come back. So. Anyway, there you go. Vampire yeah. the Masquerade right, Swan uh, Song. Stay far, Vincent, far away. Vincent says the council's under five bucks right now on PSN, <laughs> so that's probably... If you, there if you, you desperately want to play a vampire <laughs> thing, there you go. And it's just as good as this, probably. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about PlayStation Plus because it has now... The upgraded version of PlayStation Plus has now launched, as of today, in some territories... And leading up to it, some people had early access to the new PlayStation Plus, and basically all the information about it has leaked out. And for us, the new PlayStation Plus doesn't launch until June 13th, so we still have like three weeks or whatever. But what is launched in essentially Central Asia at this point is a pretty good kind of signpost to let us know what we're going to get here in America. Um... Let's see. First of all, the big thing that people are complaining about is that some first-party games have started appearing in those new territories, and now, obviously, it's live. And the versions that are appearing are the PAL European versions, which mm. run slower mm-hmm. at 25 frames per second instead of 30 uh, frames per second. You fucking amateurs. This was also a problem on the PlayStation Classic, if you remember. Yep. Um, yep. It was an issue with some of the versions on that, and apparently Sony is just more than happy to continue regurgitating those poor versions of games for a worldwide audience. I don't know what it is thinking. It's crazy, in all honesty, that this is what would happen, but it is happening. Um, Yeah, 50 hertz PAL versions have made it onto the service, Um, and that even happened in some NTSC markets as North North America with the PlayStation Classic. Let's see, the lineup of games. How do you feel about that, Matt? Why is PlayStation doing this? After the uproar over some of those games on the PlayStation Classic. They don't know. They don't know? I would imagine they don't. They either don't know or don't care. Is that a really terrible harbinger of things to come for this service, though? Well, the thing is, like, none of it matters. Because no one's getting this service to play Wild Arms. You know, like, it's... You don't think any of the retro stuff even matters? I don't think though. I, I I think this is all afterthought, and like I think it's only on there because they already had those versions from the PlayStation Classic. Uh huh. That's all it is. They're just taking the thing from the PlayStation Classic and slapping it on here, and that's the end of it. They put some trophies on them. That's about it. Um. Very lazy, but what are you gonna do? You know, like they're not throwing that kind of money at this to like redevelop any of these things. I mean, it's ridiculous, but like, what are you gonna do? I'll tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna emulate them. Well, the, the I'm first... gonna go take Wild Arms out of off my shelf, slap it in my PC, and play it on RetroArch or whatever, <laughs> and it's gonna run great. Yeah, the uh, first party games that are from the PAL region that run at 25 frames per second include Everybody's Golf, Wild Arms, Jumping Flash, and Karushi. That's a problem for a Jumping Flash. Uh huh. The third party games on the service, such as Tekken 2, Siphon Filter, Abe's Odyssey, and Mr. Mr. Driller. Those are based on the NTSC versions. Interesting. That run at 30 frames per second, which is really strange. Um, Also, pretty much the whole lineup was announced or released, honestly, because, again, it's available in some territories. I did a quick 
kind of count of the games. There's close to 300 games total for PS4 and PS5. There's 15 to 20 game trials available. We talked about that a couple weeks ago on Game Face, how Sony was forcing studios to do that, although you do have a window of like three months from when you release your game to get the game trial up. But there's only 15 or 20 at launch. So obviously, most publishers at this point have not been proactive in trying to get those ready. Uh, The Classics Catalog, which is PS1 to PS3, there are just 17 games before you get to the PS4. So... All game games all told, PS1 through PS3, just 17 games. Of those, there's one PSP game, four PS2 games, and 12 PS1 games. All right. That seems really anemic to me. Yeah. The vast majority of games, and I will say this. So when you look at Game Pass, uh, the whatever the number of available games is at any given time, generally 60 to 70% of those games are indie games. Games that were, where people had bought them, they would have paid 10 to $30 for. Most of the games that are on the PlayStation Plus, the new PlayStation Plus service, are big budget games. Um, and I don't know what kind of coin Sony is paying for that stuff, but it generally the percentage of games that are interesting on PlayStation Plus, at least to me, that quotient is higher on PlayStation Plus than it is on Game Pass. I would also argue, though, that even though there are more indie games on Game Pass, there seem to be more recent games on Game Pass, although, albeit, most of the, a lot of those games are indie games and aren't big-budget games. So I would argue the retro stuff on the new PlayStation Plus is looking pretty bad, both in quality and quantity. However... The PS4, PS5 library, I would argue, is probably better than what you're getting on Game Pass if you're just looking to play Xbox One and Xbox Series games on Game Pass. How do you feel about those two options, Matt? Which one sounds more inviting and interesting to you? I don't. Neither, I'm sure, is really your answer, but. Like, I don't. If you had to pay for one, which one seems like the one you would want to pay for i don't know like i don't i don't i don't see a world where i don't have the big budget things that are offered here already like i don't like i don't know like i don't i don't understand why i want playstation on this i mean i don't know like i am never going to want to wait around for god of war or spider-man or any of these things to finally show up on this service before I play them. So, I mean, they're all there. All the that's the other thing too. I but was, they weren't. They are not going to be there day one. Day one, and I'm already yeah. going to be at these games day one. Like, there's no value for me there. Uh, like, well, I mean, what we're seeing is that there are no big first party exclusives for Microsoft. So, right. it, that's you know, we always thought that was a big competitive advantage. As it turns out, it's really not so much anymore, though. Well, it will be once Microsoft starts getting stuff out the door. But for now, who cares? Yeah. Is that the problem? Is that the no, is it the nobody cares? Also, I here's another thing that happened this week, Matt. So I don't know if you remember, but I mentioned last week that I was thinking about canceling my Game Pass subscription. And because I just wasn't getting any value out of it anymore. And it became a thing this week. There was some journalist who wrote an editorial or something saying that he was going to cancel his Game Pass subscription. 
and people like freaked out and jumped all over him and blah. blah. So it kind of became a thing this week that now P- other people are also in the same boat I'm in where they're like, wait a minute, like I'm not playing anything on this service anymore and there aren't any big games coming for a while. Is it worth subscribing to anymore? And to your point, you're not interested in subscribing to either right now, it doesn't sound like. No. I mean, I've already got, like, a, I subscribed in, like, bulk to Game Pass already, so it's not like it's worth canceling. Yeah. You know, I, did the, I did the deal where you get, like, everything for, like, a dollar a month for a certain amount of time right, or whatever. Right, right. So it's not worth canceling, but it's not like, I mean, I haven't used it for anything, really, yeah. recently. I played Trek to Yomi, but it was bad. Yeah, I did get that. I didn't actually open it. <laughs> I played it for like an hour and a half, and it was is a bad game. I probably still should have brought it on the show because we have nothing to talk about. Uh, I just couldn't bring myself to play enough of it to feel like I would be fair talking about it on the show, other than to say I didn't like it enough to play enough of it to be able to talk about it on the show. That probably says a lot all on its own. Um, and then the final thing that we learned about PlayStation Plus, the new PlayStation Plus this week, is that old PlayStation games are getting trophies. Siphon Filter is the first game that it was discovered on, but it appears as of right now, Siphon Filter is the only game confirmed that will have that capability. Now, Wild Arms does. Wild Arms has it too. I saw, they confirmed I saw that too. I saw a list earlier this morning. It was okay, like, yeah, it was like Siphon Filter, Wild Arms, first party stuff. I want to say Jumping Flash. Well, they did clarify today in a news story that it appears that only games that were published by Sony are guaranteed to have trophies for everybody else is optional, which means they're not going to do it. Who is going to go back and add trophies to a game from, like, 1998? Because mm. <laughs> I have a feeling it doesn't really matter how much people play these games as far as what these publishers are getting paid to include their games in the service. I don't feel like they're incentivized to make people play them. No, although that's a pretty easy thing. If I, Adding if I, trophies is, you yeah. think? Yeah, it's just an overlay thing. If it, if it was, Don't you have to have triggers in the game to trigger to... PlayStation no, I, Plus that you've accomplished what you need to think, accomplish. I think PlayStation Plus has tools that do that already. Like they, it, rec- it recognizes it already. Mm. Um, and it's not it's not an intrusive thing with, to the old game code. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, if you know the game well enough, that'd be a fun thing to throw. Just even just just trolling people. Like I just, mean, look, there's some people that play games just for trophies. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, if I, but if I was doing something, I'd be just like, okay, you get a platinum trophy for finishing the game without dying. Fuck you, like. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just be mean about it, you right? Know? I just I just just I just go after the retro people. Um, I don't know. Shinky says people like trophies. Retro Arc has trophies on old games. That's true. Yeah, I have gotten over the whole thing, like the achievements, the trophy. I do not care at all anymore no, about that, any of it. Like I, it was cool to me during the 360 era. Like I do it sometimes. Actually, I do it to get a platinum sometimes on things, but like only if I care about the game. But I like, know I'm not getting but, a platinum, so it doesn't even enter my mind. But part of the, I mean, part of the problem is like, it's impossible to, um, it's impossible to see anyone's trophy. Like I used to be interested to compare achievements and trophies to people, and it's like, oh, they did this or they did that, and I didn't get that yet. But now, like, you got to go so far in. They used to be like two button presses. Yeah. And now it's like you got to go digging for it, and it's just like I don't care. I'm not gonna. I don't care that much. And so, like, yeah, I haven't. I haven't really thought about it in forever. I have to keep all that stuff turned off on my consoles because I play pre-release games, and they don't. You know, people will go and look at your profile to see trophies, yeah. and so the most I get is um, like when a rare achievement pops up on Xbox or a, on or a trophy pops up, a rare trophy. I'm like, oh, that's interesting that not many people have that. Yeah. Um, there are a couple things that, that you know I'm interested in. There, I'm always interested in how. 
you know, almost every trophy and achievement from like DLC is always like ultra rare. Right. It's just like, oh, yeah, because people, people once they finish play, the game, they're done. They, they don't, go, don't back. go back to it. Yeah. But like, it's also like that indicates, you know, being ultra rare doesn't just indicate that not a lot of people got the DLC. It indicates that a lot of people got the DLC and didn't play it. Mm hmm. You know, because because yeah. it, it only it, it's one point one percent or whatever out of how many people have played played it. the game or the, how many people played the base game. That's a good question. Probably would be my guess. Maybe. Yeah. Um. So how do you feel about all this stuff, Matt? Is, it I doesn't don't, sound like it really moves the needle have, for you I have in no any feelings, way. <laughs> I have no reaction to this whatsoever. <laughs> like I don't care. Like I, it's not going to be a retro service worth anything. Uh, otherwise, it's just not going to change. It's, I'm going to keep it at the basic. It's going to keep giving me access to PlayStation, you know, online play, and that's that. Like yeah. this is a complete non-event to me. Like I don't care about any of what they're doing here. You're not going to be waiting with bated breath on June 13th, Matt. No. In fact, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to tell me again when it happens because yeah. I'm not gonna remember. Yeah. Because that's was is that Tuesday? Is it Tuesday? The thirteenth is still a ways a, away. That's a Wednesday. I have no idea. Is it? It's still like three weeks away. Uh, ten, More. eleven, twelve, thirteenth is a Monday. Okay. So yeah. yeah, starting the week off with the yeah. I mean, I I'll be honest with you. It's I feel the same away. way. It's like a week, two two and a half weeks. Although I will say this, at first when we heard about this new PlayStation Plus, I thought it had no chance to compete with Game Pass, but now. I'm not so sure about that. I still wonder what the audience is for this stuff, if there is an audience for this stuff at all. But I'm not it. You're not it. Doesn't sound like most of the people who watch Game Face or use Sifted are all that excited about it. But I will say this. It's starting to make more sense now than it did. Um, as far as like what they're offering for the price, it seems a little more competitive now than it was Mostly because Microsoft is unable to deliver on the promise of its first-party games coming day and date to Game Pass because there aren't any. Mm -hmm. And there aren't going to be any probably for a good eight or nine months. So Sony definitely chose a pretty good window to launch this. I have a feeling a lot of people will try game streaming for the first time whenever they, if they get the premium version of this, the premium tier where they get the PlayStation Now stuff. Um, but... Generally, yeah, I think for people like us, this stuff's kind of dead in the water right now because there just aren't game releases on Game Pass, and uh, PlayStation never promised day one. Um, I feel like if God of War, we knew it was coming this year, we knew it was going to be day one on PlayStation Plus, this might have a little more cachet to it. Yeah, but, but it's not. It's not, and it probably never will. So, like, there were people wondering if they'll put the Last of Us remake up day and date on like PC, and I'm just like, no, probably not. Yeah, like, I don't think Sony's ever doing that. No, I don't either. What, like releasing on PC the same day as PlayStation? Yeah. No, hell no, no. They didn't no even way. do that with like they didn't even do that with the Uncharted Legacy thing. No, like there's no way. It's not happening. Yep. So anyway, that's it. I think that's the final details on PlayStation Plus. It's all out there on the table. I do hope that PlayStation listens to fan complaints about the PAL versions of its games being released in non-PAL territories. That is idiotic. It's dumb. Um, that just shows that you're not listening to fans at all. And maybe they'll rectify that. Maybe all the first-party stuff at least. Uh, from here forward will be the NTSC versions that run at 30. Um, but it's coming. You can't stop it. It's already out there in uh, some parts of Asia. And it does launch in Japan, I think, on like June 1st or 3rd or something like that. For whatever reason, North America and Europe, we're getting the new PlayStation Plus last out of everyone mm. in the world, which doesn't happen that often anymore. So, all right, there you go. You know we're going to complain the most. <laughs> You're probably right. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like, everything's global now. Like, news spreads so fast. It's like you can't hide things in territories anymore like you used yeah. to be able to. It just doesn't work. 
Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that Matt was playing last week. And I did not include it in the show last week because 300 was already jam-packed with all the other special stuff we were doing. Um, and then when I, as I was leaving after we recorded the show and streamed the show, I asked Matt for like more information on the game that he was playing. And he started telling me about it. And I was like, that is insane. We need to talk about it next week on Game Face. And so here we are. The game is called Ravenous Devils. It is a point-and-click game, but it <laughs> its content certainly strays outside the normal boundaries of mm-hmm. that genre. Uh, Matt, what is the synopsis of this game? Um, so you play a husband and wife who open a combination restaurant and tailor shop in Victorian London. Uh, but the trick is that um, they're, serial, they're serial killers. And uh, so the, the guy kills some of his tailor customers and drops them down a dumbwaiter to the basement where the wife uh, grinds them up in a giant meat grinder and makes the food out of them. Um, and so the, the, the gameplay is you have to sort of constantly balance uh, taking people's measurements, making clothes, putting clothes out for people to buy, and killing them and cleaning up the blood before the other customers come in, and then making the food out of them to bring up to the restaurant <laughs> to feed people before they get too impatient. Yeah. And as you go, you, you like upgrade, so you have more mannequins to put clothes on, and more space to put pies out, and like you can make you get, get you can hire a wait a waiter to help you, and you can like get new recipes and like multiple ovens and multiple tables, and and so basically you you, you escalate and escalate and escalate, and eventually get a greenhouse where you the guy the so the tailor instead of just dropping the bodies down the down the chute can take a body upstairs and marinate it in the bathtub to make fertilizer to grow tomatoes, so you can make <laughs> so you can make new recipes, and it's all. Very very, oh my um, gosh! And it's all very um, uh, pot boiler Victorian pulp, you know, gothic horror stuff. Um, and they're the both of them are, are very very proper sort of sort of. So it's like, oh, just delicious. Today. I mean, just look at that still delicious right meat pies today. But you know, it's like all that. And there's like so they, there's someone who starts sending them letters early on who like knows who they are and is excited they're there because they're also they also like to eat human flesh and. They're like they're like sending saying like oh I sent this person over to, to see you and I want you to kill them and store them until I can come over and eat them. Oh my god! So like you're like you have objectives you have to accomplish like special you know, special characters come in and there's cutscenes where they they deal with them and stuff and uh, as you upgrade your your shops you uh, you know it gets bigger and bigger so it's basically like you're just spinning all these plates. The one thing I will say is um, I don't think you can actually fail. Uh, like I left, there's, there's an indication here where like, cause there's, you see that room there on the, on the right is where you kill people and dump them down. And then you have to mop the blood up. But like, I don't <laughs> think, is insane. I don't think anyone ever actually will come in and discover the blood. I think it's just all about how much money you make per day and the less money you make. If you're less efficient, it'll take you longer to upgrade and longer to get to the story. I think that's all because because the it's like it's actually a little bit like those like cook serve delicious like the 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 the, the diner games because uh-huh. like you basically have to do everything on a timer and like customers come in and they have to have if you don't serve them in time they get upset and leave or whatever and at the end of the day you get rated on how many happy customers you were and you get a certain amount of money and you use that money to buy upgrades hmm. right so it's like that. Do your customers ever get sick? From no. eating human flesh? No, they're all just fine. I mean, honestly, that's that's probably the freshest meat those people have. I mean, it's Victorian times. There wasn't a lot of refrigeration. It's probably the freshest right. meat they've had all day. Right. I mean, oh. we're talking about a time when they, you know, do you know how they figured out how cholera is spread? 
No. They thought it was like miasma or like sin or whatever. Yeah. But one guy, uh, uh, John Snow, actually, his name was John Snow. He theorized it was in the water because cholera, it, it comes from, you know, uh, uh, corpses or, or, or feces in the, in the water. It's, it's a waterborne disease. Yeah. And he, he theorized that it was because of the, the water pumps in the neighborhood. And they're like, ah, oh, it doesn't make any sense. It's not how it works. And it's like, but it is. Like, and so he went and he did his... Oh, my God. And his, put, just put that person in the grinder. Yeah. And his study was his to figure out what, about, this wa- about this water pump. And he f- suddenly figured out that the only people who didn't get sick worked at a beer brewery on the block because they were given free beer so they wouldn't go out and waste time getting water. <laughs> so they didn't... The only people who didn't get sick were the ones not drinking the water. So that's how he proved that that's how right. that happened. Yeah. So... Uh, that was the kind of sanitation you're talking about at this time. <laughs> I think someone chopping up fresh meat and turning them into pies would have been probably an improvement. Um, so, so yeah, that's basically the game. Like that's it. Like you're you're juggling all these things you have to do, and on a time limit on everything, and you're trying to like get everything served in a in a, in a you know timely manner. Wow, how hard is it? It's These like, games generally drive me bonkers. As, as I man. said, I don't think you can fail. Plate like I, spinning. Like, I think the worst you can do is just like not make a lot of money in a day. If, if there's a fail state, I was not able to find it even just not not doing anything right. You tried to fail and you were yeah. unable to. Like no one would come in and discover the blood. Huh. So I don't know if that's just early on they don't do that, or at a certain point like you maybe you start getting investigated by the cops, but that hasn't happened yet. Now, generally, point-and-click games are driven by the story. Now, obviously, the setup is incredibly unique, and it's intriguing, and has me wanting to play this game. But is it told well? Is it written well? Is it's there well, voice it's well acting? well enough. And I mean, the, the, the appeal, I think, is more the game. Like, it's, it's more the... The concept. It's more the, the franticness of trying to get everything to happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. You know, like, like a Cook, Serve, Delicious, or a... Um, you know, you know all those cooking yeah. games that have sprung up, yeah, overcooked and all that kind of thing. Not like Cooking Mama. Yeah, and it's like, and it's like the part of the thing is like, you know, you have to jump up and down between the floors to get up to like the tailors. You know, so you're just sort of trying to juggle everything. That's all it is. It's a multitasking yeah. game. It just happens to have a disgusting premise. Yeah. How does a story evolve? Like, is what is the point of friction? Like, is there somebody who's going to come and inspect eventually? They're, they're just worried that people will discover because you know whoever's writing them the letters knows what's happening. Right. So and there's they're afraid that person's going to show up and blow their cover. Somewhat, but they also are just sort of like, well, we'll kill them eventually. Like, so, it's sort of like a, <laughs> you know, like so far, like they the letter writer has been very insistent about like you know, early on about how like uh, oh I support what you're doing I'm glad you're here here and I'm glad you you know managed to set fire to your last restaurant in the other town and got out and everyone thinks you died because you dressed a, bu- a couple of victims up in your clothes and left them to burn so you were they were unrecognizable they thought it was you so, so I, they figured them out at their last location that they were killing yeah, this, whoever this is knows what's been going on for a while gotcha but you don't know like what they're building to there uh huh um, well back in these days you can get away with that stuff because there was no internet there was no telephones right. <laughs> and periodically there's stuff like it was like my father said he was coming here and I don't know where he went it's like oh I don't know where he could be but you want to you want at one point you feed a child his own mother oh gosh um oh my to gosh. make him feel better that he can't <laughs> find his mother. <laughs> It's, so that's the kind of game we're dealing with. Uh huh. Have you enjoyed playing it? Yeah, I like it. It's fun. It's not overly cringy. No, I mean I don't, I don't, I don't. I have a very high tolerance for for this kind of like like pulp gore. Yeah, how stuff. you can describe something like this yeah. really? <laughs> I don't even know. And it's just it's got it's got that sort of like Victorian sort of like casualness about yeah. Uh-huh. It's just like oh horrible things are happening, but like it's just what we do. Well, I and, mean in Victorian age that pretty much just happened yeah. every day. And it was just sort of you know. <laughs> 
it's just sort of like, oh, you know, like, oh, and you steal the victim's clothing to, to get the fabric to make your... So that's the thing. is like all your resources come from the murder victims. Uh-huh. So like, you kill the guy, and you take their clothes, and that goes into your fabric resource, and you dump them down the chute, and you make clothes out of the fabric and put the fabric on the, manate- the clothes on the mannequins, and people come and buy the clothes and give you money. And then like, The clothes of the dead people yeah. that you killed. Well, no, you make new clothes out of the, out of the fabric you get. <laughs> Patchwork. Yeah. 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 You take that and you turn it into something, another work of art. What else do you repurpose and or recycle from your victims? Anything else? Them. Yeah. See, so the meat and the, meat. the clothes and meat that's and the it? clothes. Yeah. yeah. You're not making like glue or anything? Not so far. I mean, you do turn them into fertilizer and grow like oh, right. vegetables with them. And then you sell the vegetables as I mean, like yeah. the accoutrement to yeah, your... Yeah, you get different, I mean, you get different like, uh, you know, you know uh, tools. So eventually you can turn them into steaks or sausages instead of just ground meat. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of balance like, you know, what you do with your resources there. Because um, when people come, when eventually you get you get tables and people will come in and order something specific. So early on, you're just putting food out on that desk there. You know, kind of people just come and get it. People come in and pick it up, and you get money. You don't even have to be there. You know, uh-huh. self serve basically. But eventually, you get customers coming in like a restaurant, and you have to like make specifically make the food they want uh, in a certain time limit. Got you. And like you know, that's when you get into the thing where it's like, okay, you want multiple workbenches, so you get multiple recipes going at one time. You want multiple ovens, so you can be cooking more than one thing at a time. Um, and, and you have unlimited time at the beginning of the day to prep. So basically you can load everything up in the store and then cook like you can guess like so you have five recipes. I'm like, I'm going to cook three recipes and leave them all out on the on the workbenches and hope the first table wants one of those three things. Right. Now, you're not actually like cooking the stuff and like you have to add all the ingredients into a pan yeah. oh you do you still yeah. go through that whole process you have to walk too. over get the meat from the grinder or wherever and you put it on the workbench and you go pick up the flour and put it on the workbench and you go if you want if it involves it you go get the tomatoes and put them on the workbench and you pick that whole thing up and put it in the oven and then you wait for the oven to cook and then you pull it out of the oven and you can either put it on the workbench to wait or bring it straight up and then eventually you get to hire uh, you hire uh, the, there's actually it's a it's an interesting I don't I'm 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 curious how they'll continue to handle this one of the noble people the, the elite noble people that you kill early on has um i think a servant but it might be a slave he might be a slave because he said the kid says he bought him oh and so he's like he gets told away to side and then like he you know you kill the guy and he comes in looking for him he's like oh no he just left i'm sorry you missed him and he's like oh well, i don't know where he is and without him i don't yeah you know, I, I don't you know, he, I don't have anything. And there, and he's like, go downstairs and see if my wife can has needs some help. And so, like, you hire him as a waiter. So so instead of her coming upstairs to put everything up there, now he's up there under strict orders to never come downstairs. <laughs> and you send everything up a dumb waiter. And he just he goes and takes orders and tells you what, what they need. And you send it up and he goes and serves it. Wow. So, like, it, so it streamlines the process from of going up and down the stairs a lot. But that's right, that's right when it expands out into, like, oh, now there's a lot more demand. Like, and true enough... Uh, running the restaurant is way harder than keeping the murder victims quiet. Like, it's <laughs> well, all, if they're victims, they can't talk. Right. Well, but like this, keeping the, the murders. I'm quiet. I'm just saying, the husband upstairs murdering people has the easy job. <laughs> like serving all the, the food is way harder. Is the hard part. Yeah. Interesting. So here you see, she, he kills her, and now he'll take her clothes, and uh, and then he puts her, toss them over there, and then dump her in the in the hole. And then he, then you mop up yeah. all the blood. Yeah, and as far as I can tell, no one will come in that room until you've mopped this the blood. This is horrible! Up. Wow. So there's like there's a, there's a bit kind of a Sweeney Todd, uh, you know, yeah. vibe to it. I guess is what I I describe it as. Yeah. 
It's um I'll say this, Matt. That is it's the most interesting point and click game I have seen <laughs> in forever. Yeah. Like I want to play it. And I cannot remember the last like that's a traditional point and click too. Like I can't remember the last game like that that I've really, really wanted to play. Um, it's available for pretty much everything. How much does it cost? Please don't tell me sixty dollars. This is five dollars. It's five bucks? Yeah. That's the deal of the century. <laughs> that's amazing. Not bad. It's definitely, definitely worth five bucks. How long is the game? Do you know? Uh, certainly longer than five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, <laughs> I mean, I've I played like two hours of it. I feel oh, like, wow. I feel like I'm, you know, maybe halfway through it, story-wise. Wow. What I'm a sure good you deal. Can, I'm, I'm sure you can just keep playing it. Yeah. You know? Just keep making more and more money. Yeah. Huh. Well, there There's you a lot go. of upgrades. There's a long way to go. Ravenous Devils. Why is it called that? I think it's just like a, you know ravenous devils eating like it's, yeah yeah well, they're ravenous and they're devils because they're evil but also it's like it sounds like a very british insult you know it, it, it does it, it does actually uh but again it's available for every platform pc all xbox yeah, it's on all playstation Switch. i will say this plays way better with a mouse oh really way better with a mouse like i tried it with a controller and i was like i don't see what the mouse is like a way better like if you if you can play it on pc play it on pc or on switch maybe with the touch screen Maybe I don't know how how well that would work. But all, all yeah. I know is like because like you know you saw in the footage like you're using this little cone of light to sort of like you know pick, on that you're just pointing and clicking and also switching between the floors is just the mouse wheel, uh, which is just it's so much better. Okay, so, so PC preferable. I platform. strongly recommend PC or or you know anything you play with a mouse or a touch screen probably would be better. Okay, so there you go. This ravenous devil. That's an enthusiastic thumbs up to spend five bucks and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in this drought. Way better than Vampire. Yeah, <laughs> these droughts, those are the exact type of games we're looking for. Cheap and good. Uh, okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next and lastly for episode 301 about Silent Hill. We've hinted at some things about Silent mm. Hill in the past here on Game Face. This has been we, percolating for years. We, yep, we've, we've, had, we've even been privy to some insider information on some of this stuff. And now it's all starting to leak out. Um, in the last week, three different Silent Hill projects have come to light, all from various reliable game leakers, so to speak. There are so many of those now. Yeah. Are you surprised how many people there are out there that we don't know that are privy to like crazy information anymore? No, because there's thousands of people that work on these things. But it, it's shocking to me how there are some people who nobody even knows who they are who are, aren't just, like, getting leaks from, like, one thing. Some of them do. Like, they're just, like, they're a Capcom leaker or whatever. But a lot of them get leaks from everywhere. I'm like, where are these people working that they would get this information from? Mm. I almost feel like some of it's, like, working in-house first party because you're getting, you're somehow seeing, like, the stuff that's being submitted. I don't know. Like, I don't know how some of these people get this information. Unless they're journalists and that's their... Most of them are journalists that just have a private email. Like you think it's their thing. burner account or yeah. whatever. Yeah, interesting. It'd be crazy I know this. I'm, you know, Klepik has talked about how there's like there's secure email servers and, and yeah. accounts you can get that like are guaranteed that no one will get into them and you can have like anonymous sources send you things and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. I'm just wondering how there's one person who gets this from all these different people. And what are the incentives? I, I imagine that it's just like, you know, there's a grapevine for that kind of thing. And what's the incentive for the people to give them the information? Like, it does them no good. Obviously, there's probably some people who are like, disgruntled employees who have mm -hmm. left and are like, oh, I got some dirt and I'm going to ruin the company that let go of me or whatever, that type of thing. But 
that's not all of it. Like, what incentive do these people have to leak stuff to these people? I mean, they're putting their job on the line for what? Mm-hmm. I you think, think they're lo- getting paid? I think a lot of them left the job and are just saying, like, oh, this is happening. So what I was saying, like, people who aren't working there anymore. Yeah, I would think. Or there, well, some people are probably disgruntled or wanted more money or whatever. Interesting. Or, or some people might just be tired of working on a dead-end project and hope that if, like, the word, word gets out, it'll all either force it to move forward or get canceled and they can move on. That could be. Um, Sometimes, like, that seems to be, like, you know, you're, people are sending out stuff about, you know, a distressed project or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a leak like that uh, this week about Starfield, but it didn't really seem very substantial. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Like, some, you know, it's hard to separate the wheat from the chaff on some of this. It is, for sure. Um, all you can do is look at the history of the leaker. And if they've been right all the time, then you can kind of trust them. Mm-hmm. If they've been wrong, you can't. Like, I'm sure that, like, these leakers have tons of stuff they don't publish because it just it all turns out to be nonsense or unverifiable. Yeah. So. I'm not so sure that a lot of journalists who run these stories yeah. anymore are verifying Maybe not. Stuff. But sometimes, I know sometimes, like, you can be like, oh, you hear something from something somewhere and then you know you can go to someone you know who like wouldn't leak something but is in a position to know things and if you're like what about this thing and they'll do some you know i, I certainly know a couple people they're like eh, you might i know if they if it's not a thing they'll say no mm-hmm. and if it is a thing they'll be like well i don't want to comment on that you know it's like mm-hmm. you they, they can say yes without saying yes i mean i, I get information that way sometimes so it's i'm yeah. sure there's a lot of that going yep. on uh so there are three According to these leakers, and some of them are very reliable, like Jeff Grubb from VentureBeat. According to these various leakers, there's a remake of Silent Hill 2 in development. That is according to Jeff Grubb. There's also a full sequel, like the next Silent Hill that's in development. And most people believe that is under development at a Japanese, a prominent Japanese studio. And then there's a third story-focused episodic series that's also in development. Now, according to Jeff Grubb, again from VentureBeat, the remake of Silent Hill 2 will feature reworked AI, new animations, new puzzles, and several new endings. Um, And he also claims that it will potentially be a timed exclusive on PlayStation consoles. Do you think that that's a good idea, Matt? I don't think it really matters. You don't think it matters at all? No, I th- I think this is all kind of a dead end. What do you mean a dead end? I don't think Silent Hill matters anymore. Oh, you don't think Silent Hill as a property matters anymore? I, I mean, obviously there's a very dedicated fan base, but I think that is under a million people and it won't matter. Um, I think you're talking about evil within numbers for this kind of thing, if you're lucky. Really? Yes. Uh, driven by the fact that there hasn't been a good Silent Hill game since I was in my 20s. 2001 is when... Silent Hill 2 was released. Yeah, I would say Silent Hill 3. It's 21 years old. I would say Silent Hill 3 is the last good Silent Hill game. The Room... eh. The Room was garbage. Yeah. And it wasn't even supposed to be a Silent Hill game. That's where it kind of fell off, yeah. And then everything else was just sort of like... Man, like, I think Silent Hill 2 is one of the greatest games ever made, but I think the rest of the series could... I could take or leave it for the most part. You know, 1, 2, and 3 are really good. Good to great, depending on which one you're talking about. And beyond that, it's just been trash. Now, Jeff Grubb is reporting the Bloober team is working on the remake of Silent Hill 2. That is something that has been out there for a yeah, long time. We've known, we've known they were doing something Silent Hill related. Because the head time. of Bloober team. I didn't realize how much vitriol there is around Bloober team. Like, people hate them. Yeah, why is that? I don't really know. I haven't watched the Jim Sterling video yet. They seem like they're perfect for the project. Maybe. I guess people didn't like a couple of the things they made. I thought Layers of Fear was pretty good. Layers like, of Fear was good? Absolutely. I didn't play Blair Witch. I don't. I don't know. 
I played a little bit of it. It wasn't great. Mm. But Observer is really good. Yeah, Observer was good. But it's more cyberpunk. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But all their games have, at the very least... It's got to be better than the Silent Hill HD collection. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, all Bluebird, Bluebird Team's games are have an horror bent. So they are experienced with working with suspense. But if you're remaking a game... Does that stuff even matter? Obviously, mm. I would assume they're ditching fixed camera perspective. That's going to go away. Well, the Silent Hill 2 doesn't have fixed camera perspective. Well, for indoor areas, it does. I no, thought it moves. I thought it's indoors. No, it's all 3D. The, really? Yeah. I thought for sure. Silent Hill has always been 3D. All free camera. Man. I mean, I mean, you don't control the camera, but like it moves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's a fixed yeah. camera. You can't move it yourself. Yeah. Indoors. I thought outdoors you could move it. No, you can't move the camera in Silent Hill. Outdoors you can't? Nope. Okay. But I know indoors for sure. It's the typical Resident Evil, like now well, no, the next camera is up, perched up in the corner of well, this no, room. it's not because the camera moves. That was the difference between Resident Evil and this was the camera moves because the Resident Evil was pre-rendered backgrounds. That was why Silent Hill was better to me, was the camera actually moved around and you weren't stuck looking in weird, unnatural angles. The camera wasn't perfect, but it did try to show you what was happening from a fairly reasonable perspective. I mean, there was some B-roll of this, of Silent Hill 2 back here just a second ago that showed him walking through an indoor and it's the same thing it's resident evil it just cuts all over the place as you make your way through and you're like using tank controls and having to figure out see yeah but it also moves see, see it moves yeah but resident evil does that not the old ones yeah it does i mean it pans but it doesn't tilt like that you can't tilt on a still image oh, i didn't i didn't even notice it was doing that in yeah. the silent hill i'm just saying it's cutting around and it's a fixed camera meaning that you have no control over it. You are playing around whatever camera angle that they give you. That's not what I'd call a fixed camera, but okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, they're not going to get rid of that. That's Silent Hill. Really? You think they'll keep that for I a think... game that's going to release in 2023? I think they might, yeah. I don't. I, I, that would be stupid to do that. I mean, I get it. You don't want to go too far away from what people know Silent Hill for, but I just don't think most people are going to want to do that in 2023 I, mean, I, would, I would argue that that is pretty essential to the identity of the series uh, at least in this era of the series and if you change that you're going to basically turn it into just another game hmm. which is you know, fine maybe that's like, the best idea <laughs> meh. i mean part of the problem here like like this like the fact that it can do this this is dynamic in a way that resident evil was just not doing yet yeah um, you know, following a character. The camera never like followed that. the character. No, because yeah. you couldn't, because there was no environment. It was right. just pictures. Yeah. Um, it was it was trash. Um, but like, yeah, and there was a lot of. This is one of the first games that had like real influence of like Twin Peaks, David Lynch. Like mm -hmm. there was a, there's a you know this Cronenberg and like there was there was freshness to it. I don't know if you can really replicate that now, especially because Silent Hill Two was tremendously influential, not necessarily in gameplay wise, but in terms of sort of like how you approach stuff, like. I don't know. It feels like trying to show somebody Citizen Kane now. Um, Evu En says that Bloober Team apparently steals games. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Steals games? Yeah. Like ideas? I guess. I'm not sure. Maybe you can elaborate. Um, follow up with uh, your first comment there. So I'm trying to figure out why people don't like them. I don't, I don't mm. get it. Because they're a smaller developer... And, like, I don't expect their games to be, you know, like Resident Evil 7 or Resident Evil Village or anything like that because they just don't have 
the teams or the budget to do something like that. So my expectations maybe are set a little more realistically. Yeah, Code Veronica was the first Resident Evil game with a 3D environment that could move the camera like this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a remake is that it's coming anytime soon because that game is awful. Yeah. Uh, more details on the Silent Hill 2 remake. Akira Yamaoka, um, he actually has worked with Bloober Team before on the medium. Um, he has already teased that his next game project was, quote, the one you've been hoping to hear about, mm. unquote. So pretty sure that that's Silent Hill. Um, and as, again, since he already has that relationship with Bloober Team, he's probably working on the Silent Hill 2 remake with them. Um, and then the other smaller episodic series is supposed to be kind of short stories. Mm-hmm. And apparently this was a something that Konami pitched to the team at Supermassive, or maybe Supermassive, maybe it's the reverse. Supermassive pitched it to Konami. Yeah, I can't imagine Konami's going around pitching it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's reverse. Supermassive pitched it to Konami, and Konami said no, and then Supermassive was like, well, screw you, and it turned it into the Dark Pictures franchise, mm. which is an anthology franchise. Yeah, tracks. Yeah. I've always believed, I mean, back when this Silent Hill 2 came, because Silent Hill 2 has, very much, has nothing to do with Silent Hill 1, yeah. outside of being set, set in Silent Hill. Yep. Um, and then Silent Hill 3 went back to the uh, Harry uh, story. Um, and I always thought that was a mistake. I think I thought Silent Hill was a more interesting idea as an anthology. I thought it was more going to be more interesting as, like, seeing how different people react and how different people uh, respond to this this town that, that dredges up your worst fears and your worst nightmares. This like The idea of Silent Hill being the, the main character of the series, basically, and bringing in different people to sort of... Experience that. Experience that, and yeah. like, sort of go through things. You know, like, Silent Hill sort of draws people to it. Yep. Uh, and so you get a different kind of angle every time. And a couple of the games sort of did that. You know, like, Downpour kind of had that. Homecoming sort of did that. But, like, there was no... Like, there wasn't really any kind of verve to it. Like, they didn't have a good reason for it. Um, so I thought that would be more interesting would be, like, to, to, to approach it the way Silent Hill 2 did. And then 3 went back to the old, you know, I, I didn't find, I don't find the, the, you know, there's a cult in the town story from 1 and 3 to be particularly compelling. Yeah. Um, I think this one is way more interesting because it's more of a psychological thing. This is the best Silent Hill. Oh, Silent easily. Hill 2. Easily. I would say this is it's still one of the best horror games ever made. Yeah. Um, obviously they picked the right one to remake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's showing its age, obviously. Yeah. But like, um, I mean, it's from 2001. It's 21 yeah. years old now. This it's is, crazy. I, the first uh, game dev interviews I ever did was were for this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've mentioned that before, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and then the third game, which is the brand new game, VGC is reporting, and it says it has been told that Konami is planning to release a new mainline entry in the Silent Hill series, but it's not clear who is actually leading the project. Um, VGC reported last year that a Japanese studio is working on a Silent Hill project. That's where we got a lot of that information from. And then there were some images leaked in the last week, and I didn't bother grabbing them because they're really just crap. Honestly, did you see them? No. They're they're more like console or concept art. They're really not like in-game mm-hmm. images, and they didn't really show or give up anything, so I didn't bring them in and, and include them in the media for 301. Uh, but the images leaked last week are understood to be related to a PT-style teaser game codenamed Sakura, which is intended to be released as a free digital title to build anticipation for the larger projects. So the leaked stuff that came out this week actually wasn't even from the next big Silent Hill release. It's some little spinoff thing, kind mm-hmm. of what they did with uh, and Chronicle that we talked about last week on the show. Um, so with all that in mind, none of that excites you? No. Really? I mean, I'm not gonna, even the remake of Silent Hill 2. 
I mean, I've already been burned by the HD remaster, so no, I'm going to need to see what they're doing first. I ne there needs to be... There's nothing here. Like, this is just... A, okay, they're doing a thing. Great. Maybe they won't even finish it. Who knows? Like... Oh, Bloober Team's going to finish that game. They've been probably, working on it Probably, but we'll see what it turns out to be. Like, I don't, you know, I don't care about... A re I mean, if I want to play Silent Hill 2, I will just put the old game on PS PS3. Really? Play that, play that. Wouldn't you prefer to play a new, improved version? I bet I, I, bet I wouldn't. Really? I bet I wouldn't. You think you'll end up liking think, the old one better? I think a lot, of this, a lot of this game is just nostalgia. It's of a time. I don't know if you can really translate this again. Huh. I don't know if you can really capture lightning in a bottle again with this. Huh. Um, certainly, they've struggled to do it with any other Silent Hill game ever. Um, so I don't, I don't, you know, I like Silent Hill one, two, and three quite a bit, but especially two. But it's it's okay to let things go. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Nobody to, wants to do that anymore. It's okay to just leave them in the past and come back to them once in a while. Not everything needs to be remade. Not everything, you know. And like, I have no faith in Konami to do any of it right. And it's like, risk, though, Matt. They're trying to avoid risk. There's very and to them a game where like there well, are very few things riskier than trying to do Silent Hill again. But if you own Silent Hill and you're trying to figure out how to keep it relevant and keep doing it, and you happen upon this podcast called Game Face, and there's this guy Matt Kyle that you remember from 2004 when he came and interviewed you with Adam Sessler or whatever, and he's sitting there and he's saying. Silent Hill 2 is my favorite, and you're like, that's the one we're remaking. Like, I don't know. It seems to me like they're doing it right. I mean, if you absolutely have to do it, I guess. But, like, you're going to need to show me way more than a little leak in the, in the news to get me excited about that. I, there have been more terrible Silent Hill games than good ones. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not denying like, I that at all. <laughs> like, I don't, and I have, you know, we all, we know for, for certain that you can screw up a remake. You know, there's, there's no nothing stopping you from making a bad version of a good game. Yeah. And what we're seeing right now is a Silent Hill downpour, mm -hmm. which is a game that most people point to as, like, the only decent, kind of recent Silent Hill game. I guess. And even that of. isn't... It's not good. It's not good. Yeah. Um, I mean, some people like that horrible Wii one, Shattered Memories, or whatever uh, yeah. it was, which is, like, yeah. a weird remake of the first game. Right. Yeah. Um, I hated that game. I didn't like it either, actually. actually. And like I gave it like a two out of five or something, and people lost their minds because it was just Silent Hill. Because you can't thought, give a Silent Hill game a two out of five, Matt. Why then you could, but everybody thought it was like finally a good Silent Hill game. I'm like, there's people that still think that's the greatest game in the series, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're on, but it's terrible. Eric Cartmenez is asking, should they just reboot the franchise? No, they should just never touch it again. Like it's over. <laughs> it's fucking over. But it like, is a unique concept. Like even horror movies, other than Silent Hill it's movies, not a unique concept. It's just. Jacob's Ladder, like it's it's a. It's I don't remember Jacob's Ladder. I mean, I, I know I watched Robbins it back movie? in the like, day, but I don't remember what the plot was. It's a Vietnam vet who's basically who's having weird monsters and flashbacks of a dark world, and then at the end, it turns out that he's de he's dying in Vietnam, and he's, it's all just hallucinations. It's just a flash. But this is about a town that right, but that but, possesses people. Basically, I'm just saying Jacob's Ladder is what inspired Silent Hill. Like oh. that's literally what they say gave them the idea to make Silent Hill. I just I. This has this concept hasn't been like overdone is what I'm saying. Like there, there's no other games that have a town is like the main character in the game, and yeah, everyone I mean, else is kind of just swapped in and out. It's the town that stays the same. Well, neither are most of the games either. Like, I mean, maybe they don't do it because it's not a great it. concept. I don't know, but I mean, there's something there, but it's like they've never done anything with it. Yeah, beyond two. I mean, two is the closest they got to really taking advantage of that. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm excited for it. Silent Hill 2, I'm like you, Silent Hill 2, one of my favorite horror games of all time. However, I'm not quite as nostalgic as far as wanting to go back and play it again now. I tried it 
five, six years ago, maybe. And I couldn't get that far into it. Um, it just was so clunky. And like, it's one of the few games I think that I did play backwards compatible on my PS3 fat. <laughs> Silent Hill 2. There weren't many that I used that functionality for. So I am excited for this. And I am excited for Blooper Team to be, I think they're the perfect partner. If you can't get like Capcom's RE team to do it, like it's hard for me to think of another team that would be better at it. So I'm pretty hyped for that. Do I have faith that the new game will be something worth anything? No, because if Konami's heading up that project, it probably will be an unmitigated disaster. But remaking a se- the second game, that seems like a good idea to me with the team that they have involved with I mean, it. if you have to go back to this well, I guess that's the closest thing you can get to a good idea. But like... The episodic li- stuff. Like, I have lived without Silent Hill for almost 20 years yeah. now, and I am fine <laughs> continuing to do so. Yeah, I, I understand that perspective. Um, but I also understand the perspective of the publishers, how petrified they are to take risks anymore. Like, yeah, I mean, but Konami doesn't even need to do anything. It doesn't, because like, it doesn't care about that space anymore It's at making all. more money than it ever has. Yeah, so. it's so weird. <laughs> it really is bizarre. I guess it just shows you how much money they were losing. On yeah. a lot of their projects back in the day. I mean, it definitely seems like they made the right call doing mm-hmm. what they did, yeah. even if we don't like it. It's hard to begrudge them, because ultimately they're making more money now, and their stockholders are definitely a lot yeah. happier than Although they Although on the flip side, if they continue doing it, they probably would have been bought by now. We might be getting games made by better better things. That's a good point. Because you're right. Like As an acquisition target, Konami is not desirable. Not desirable. You and just want the IP. Yeah. Like, it's just a shame they've, they've got, you know, Metal Gear and, and Silent Hill and uh, Castlevania locked up in there, and they're never going to do anything useful with it. Yeah, it seems that way. Um, but yeah, that's the latest on Silent Hill. Three games coming. Uh, one is a remake of Silent Hill 2. One is a brand new game. What will that be? Will that be Silent Hill 5, I guess? No, I mean, you're up to Silent Hill 7 or something at Would this it be? point. Well, you got Silent Hill for the room, and then you got Downpour and Homecoming. And Do you think I, they'll count those as numeric? I don't think they'll call it a number anyway. Yeah, like, it, but it would be like the seventh or eighth main line like that. entry. Yeah. So you have that. You have the remake, and then you have this episodic thing that could work. Like the mm-hmm. Dark Pictures. Have you played a lot of those? There's no. already what three of them or two of them. I think they just I think the third one just came out a while ago. Yeah. And they were pretty good, but obviously the studio that makes those turned down doing a Silent Hill type, so yeah. um, they decided to do it on their own. I don't yeah, I can, know. I can understand not wanting to get involved in that. Yeah. David Cage might be a good uh, <laughs> a good candidate for handling something like that. But anyway. I wanted a shower scene with the nurses. There you go. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so anyway, there's three projects coming. It, I think it'll be a while until we see any of these. I, I would guess we might see... The Silent Hill 2 remake before the end of the year, of this year? Mm-hmm. I mean, Bloober Team does seem to churn it out pretty fast. It works fast. And the last game it released was just like a rework of Observer, right? For PS5 and yeah, Xbox so. series. Yeah. So it hasn't really released anything for quite a while. So that window has been open. Hopefully we'll get a look at least at that before the end of 2022. And that's it for all our topics for episode 301. We're going to get to... Um, some Q&A here in a minute, but first, here's a message from our sponsor. A once-in-a-lifetime property is now available in Northwest Montana, featuring 92 acres of gorgeous wilderness, approximately one mile along the Blue Ribbon, trout-rated Kootenai River, and an eye-popping view of the Cabernet Mountain Wilderness Area. This is truly an outdoorsman's paradise. 
You can use the restored and remodeled barn with living quarters as a year-round home, vacation cabin, fishing retreat, horse ranch, or cattle ranch. Contact Doug DeShazer today for additional pictures, information, and an opportunity to view this very special piece of Montana. And with interest rates starting to rise, now is the time to pull the trigger on a home or property. Even if you're not able to relocate to Montana, worry not, sifters. Doug DeShazer has facilitated home and land sales in California, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and many other states. He can find you the perfect real estate agent for the job, no matter where you live in the U.S. Feel free to contact Doug with any questions regarding real estate at DeShazerMT at gmail.com or give him a call at 406-291-1643. That's 406-291-1643. Thanks once again to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring Game Face. Uh, we're going to do some Q&A. So, so the main series is considered to be 1 through 4, Origins, Homecoming, Shattered Memories, and Downpour. So this would be Silent Hill 9. Really? Probably. If they decided to go the numerical? If they, yeah, which they're not. I'm, I'm yeah. sure it'll be Silent Hill colon something. Yeah, some sub subtitle. Uh, Silent Hill something something coming in 2024. <laughs> something something. Uh, we're going to do some Q&A here. Get your questions into the chat at Sifted Games. That way we can pluck them out from all the regular conversation. Uh, we are supported 100% by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash sifted. If you like the show, if you're listening to it on any of the podcast services or you're watching it or listening to it on YouTube and you want to help, make sure the show keeps going so we can get to 400, make sure you head to patreon.com slash sifted and drop us a pledge. $4 a month or more gets you all our content early and we'd really appreciate it if you could do that. And if you can't afford to do that, Check out the description if you're watching on YouTube. You can help us out with uh, Twitch Prime. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can give us a free $2.50 a month for just a couple clicks once you get it all set up. And again, the instructions for that are down in the description. All right, let's get to chat. See what they're saying, what they're asking. Um, Zet Saber says, I'd rather have a remake of Clock Tower than Silent Hill. How do you feel about that, Matt? I could get behind that. Yeah. JM Rain, thank you for all the subs that you're giving out to people in our community and in our chat. Um, Vincent says, remember, Konami was supposed to show up at E3 with a bunch of stuff, but pulled out at the last minute. Apparently, the Silent Hill Universe stuff was supposed to be the main reveal there. Okay. Last year, he's pointing out. Um, from Sneaky Shalichnake, have you seen the greed from Sony making people pay more to upgrade their PlayStation Plus if they got it on a deal and you have to buy your full sub duration? No, I didn't I haven't see seen that. that. No, I'm, I thought they were making it really easy. In fact, they had to... Wouldn't surprise me, but... I thought they had to protect themselves because they had made it too easy and they had to stop selling like the one-year subscriptions. They stopped letting you pile the old subscriptions on, but you could at once it changes, you're going to be able to put them in. I guess they just didn't want to change it over. Mm, okay. I hadn't heard that, by the way. And if that is the case, that is scummy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it definitely is. It's also stupid because you're launching this brand new service. You don't want to get off on the wrong foot. So this whole thing, in my opinion, for PlayStation feels like it was just slapped together. Yeah. It feels like they came up with an idea in a meeting like six months ago. I think, I, I've said before, I think they're just putting the framework in place in case they need it later. Yeah. That's all. Okay. They're not even trying that hard to get people excited about it. You know, it's, it's not even... Yeah. A, yeah it's, it doesn't I, seem it's, like... I think they're just putting the, the tech in place. I'll be interested to see if we see any, like commercials or marketing mm -hmm. for it um but we'll see a uh, squishy muffin what are your guys's general thoughts and memories of sleeping dogs heard it's a bit of a hidden gem 
and it's only three dollars on Steam at the moment. Go buy it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Go that's, spend your three dollars. That's the best three bucks you'll spend all month. <laughs> yeah, definitely in this great. month. <laughs> Go get yourself a pork bun. Yeah, you're you're right. It is a hidden gem. It is underappreciated. It is worth every penny yep. of three dollars, and then a some. man who never eats a pork bun is never a true man. <laughs> yeah. Get in there. I think you will be pleasantly surprised by it, even yeah, despite how great. old it is. It's yeah. great for three bucks. It's a no-brainer. Go buy it. And again, thank you, JM Rain, for the subs. Awesome, dude. Um, here's a long, long one from Erebus Jones. Do you think Sony will change the way they charge for new PlayStation Plus? Given the news today, that if you want to, up- oh, this is the same thing, I guess. If you want to upgrade your sub from essential to extra. You have to pay the upgrade for the whole period of your sub. So if you've mm. stacked multiple years, you have to upgrade all of it. <laughs> so that's why they stop you from being able to do that. <laughs> and also, all of a sudden you owe them 300 bucks. Right. And also, if you got your sub on discount, they are charging the discount on top. Wow. This is an oversight, surely. Maybe. I don't know about an oversight. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it might not be. <laughs> um, that's some Nintendo shit right there. That is some Nintendo stuff. Um... That's pretty shady. I still, I don't think it's on purpose. I think they slapped all this stuff together. Yeah, it's hard to tell what's greed and what's just sloppy. Right. I think this just like, all this stuff is like coming together and they're like, oh crap. Like we didn't realize this domino was going to fall. Yeah, it sounds like, it wouldn't surprise me at all that like nobody really sat in a room and thought about all the possible variables here. It, it doesn't seem like it. That's for damn sure. It just feels like they're like, we got to compete. How can we compete? And as they started like actually handling the logistics of it, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Like mm-hmm. this isn't going to work. So how are we going to address this? And then the, they didn't realize the kids are smart AF and the kids are like, oh my gosh, I can stack this stuff. And they start stacking it, and Sony's like, well, we can't like take that away because we'll look bad, but how can we make sure we don't lose our butts on this? Oh, well, we can do this other thing mm-hmm. that Erebus Jones just stumbled across. I I really think that's it. I think it tried to start out from a good place, and it just didn't have the whole plan nailed down. Things started tumbling and falling, and they're like, oh, crap. Now we're in a really bad position, and now they're scrambling trying to fix it. So I think that's what happened. Uh, maybe I'm giving Sony more of the benefit of the doubt than I should, but it doesn't feel like this was all a plan because it's just mm-hmm. it feels so haphazard. Like yeah, Sneaky says, you have to pay the difference, and if you've got ten years stacked up, you have to pay six hundred dollars to switch to a new tier. You can't do month to month. See, my feeling is that PlayStation's going to realize this and it's going to change that and fix Probably, it. Probably, yeah. I, I like don't think, but it's, it's, gonna it's an inter- I, it, you know either it's oh they didn't figure realize that was a thing that was going to happen or they were like. Let's see if we can get away with it. Yeah. Uh, but, well, you know, who knows? You can't get away with stuff in this no, industry. No, doesn't happen anymore. That is the dumbest strategy you can... Our audience... Yeah, but you've been, in, me- you've been in those meetings. You've been in yeah. meetings where people are like, "How have you Have you never left this room before? Yeah. That you think that is a viable thing that could happen? Like That's true. Who knows? Yeah, some people are out of touch and clueless. Um, Yakov226. Hi, guys. Any dreams and wishes for the not E3? I mean, my general wish is that we won't call it the not e3 when it's all said and done i really hope that i at this point i really hope that everyone gets on board with jeff jeff Keeley. like i hope that his summer and i always forget this it's summer game fest mm. which i don't know why he named it summer game fest instead of summer games fest well because it's a game fest and it's in the summer <laughs> i guess anyway I, I hope that I think everybody... you're supposed to think of Game Fest as its own noun. Right. 
and summer <laughs> is a modifier. But to me, I keep thinking of it as, as summer games. Right. Festival. Fest, yeah. Like a festival of... also. You know what else also might be a problem is... I bet the Olympics would have a problem with him saying summer games. Uh, you may be right, actually. That's true. That's smart. That may be. But anyway. They will sue you for anything. <laughs> they will. They'll probably sue us for me saying that. They may. <laughs> um, but anyway, to your point, um, I hope that everyone gets behind Jeff and Jeff has like a, an amazing blowout that lasts like three days. It already seems like he's trying to concentrate it into that week. Mm-hmm. Instead of making it this long, drawn out, yeah. all summer I think there long will thing. still be stragglers or doing their own thing across yeah. like June and July, but yeah, I'm sure we'll get like a late Nintendo Direct in July about Xenoblade and like things mm-hmm. like that. But like, I think I think people did sort of learn from last year that spreading it out is sort of it's hard to keep people's attention that long. Their interest, so. yeah, yeah. So, and some of the announcements that Jeff has already made. It does sound like he's concentrating it into a three-day period, which means we could have kind of a little pseudo E3 this year. So my dream is that that is, in fact, what yeah, happens. Yeah, a little, little Wii 3. Yeah, there mm. we go. <laughs> I like that. Um, let's see what mini, else. Mini 3. Yeah, Mini 3. That's a good one. Uh, Cinetite, can Alan Wake 2 from Remedy, self-described as a Remedy take on horror, fulfill the Silent Hill niche of a game better than the Silent Hill leaked project <laughs> itself? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Alan Wake 2 was better than all of those Silent Hill projects combined in the end, but um, Remedy does good stuff. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. Alan Wake isn't really the same thing to me. Um, the it's psych- only vague. It's sci-fi more than horror to yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, they are. They said they're leaning more into the horror on this one, and I'm sure there'll be some of that, but, like, it's a different thing. Like, Alan Wake is, is very inspired by Stephen King, um and kind of has that terror element to it mm-hmm. you know i think they're leaning into that on this one whereas silent hill is more silent hill is grime and and awful and and ichor and blood it's just yeah. it's like you know like you like, can silent, smell it yeah silent hill's a slaughterhouse <laughs> yeah like, silent hill is not that like not in the way that texas chainsaw massacre was but like silent hill is down in the muck yeah and like alan wake isn't so much alan wake is like Alan Wake is a little more psychological to me, and more supernatural. Yeah, and I mean, there's definitely psych- like it's it can be hard to tell in Silent Hill if there is anything supernatural right. happening or if everyone's just crazy, delusional and crazy. Yeah, which I guess is sort of maybe that's why you pick Bloober Team because of the medium. Yeah, I mean, do you think that Silent Hill will have the weird duality like? playing both things at once i mean I, even when we played that game we both were like yeah that would work i mean the dual yeah. world thing kind of kind of fits right at the very line. least you've, they've got experience in making that that would drastically change the game and that might piss some people off but yeah i mean i do think the idea of freely moving between this the regular and dark world of silent hill maybe misses the point of right. silent hill mm-hmm. um but at the very least you know that they can do two versions yeah. of the thing you know? yep absolutely uh, let's see what else we got. Mitchell is alive. What was the most recent game that was well received, but you just couldn't get into it? Have you ever gave a game a second chance and had a change of opinion? I've been doing this for the last couple of weeks, going back and playing a lot of the big games from the early part of the year because there's just nothing to play. And I'd rather play a really good game mm-hmm. and finish off a really good game than suffer through something that's not that great. Yeah, I mean, most multiplayer stuff is like that to me. Like, yeah. you know, I just don't get into things like that. Um, I guess Valheim was sort of like that. That was a hard for me to get into as I well. I played a little bit of it, and I'm just like, it just didn't, yeah, it didn't hook me. It never know? clicked for me either. Um, a lot of that stuff was like, you know, like art. A lot of the online stuff does that for me. A lot of indie stuff for me personally that people get really excited about. Like I go and play it, and I'm like, meh. 
Rogue Legacy two. Like I didn't, you know, I, I'm I've never gone back to that again. Yeah. Like I know people love that game, um, but I just doesn't. Yeah, that kind of stuff. You know, Hades is very unique to me in that it made you know, a, and Returnal are unique to me in that it made rogue likes rogue likes interesting and fun to me. Yeah, I'd agree uh, with that. That is usually not a genre that really, yeah, holds my attention for more than a day. I mean, the most obvious for me is Elden Ring. I mean, I really gave that game a chance. Um, and I obviously played it more than any other from software game that has ever been released, and I still didn't really enjoy it even at the end of it all. Um, so that's probably the mm. most obvious one for me. Yeah, in terms of second chances, I guess that's probably Dark Souls. After I finally figured out how it worked in Dark Souls Two, and went back to Demon Souls and Dark Souls, I'm like, oh, I get this now. Yeah. So that was probably the biggest change. I've given lots of games a second chance, but I can't remember any where I went back later and it changed. Nah, my opinion I'm- changed. And like you can go back way back. I mean, Dragon Age Origins, I think, is one of the worst things I've ever played, and people love that game. Mm-hmm. And I played that game twice, and I got all the achievements uh, in preparation for Dragon Age Inquisition. I went through one and two, and like just you know completed them hundred percent, just like to say I did it more or, yeah. or less. Because I'd already done it for Mass Effect, and I was like, well, I should do it for this too. And I don't know why I decided that. I just think I just had nothing else to do. Yeah. And um, it was twenty thirteen. I just you know G four just fired us all, and I I was looking for another i'm like i have nothing else to do i'm just gonna play dragon age all day yeah um it f- fits the misery uh <laughs> but uh, yeah and i so i played those games endlessly really and i never understood why anybody likes them. <laughs> i think i think they're terrible um i think inquisition i like okay dragon here's an interesting factoid dragon age inquisition the first ever game page on sifted that's right yeah for whatever reason it was the first game page that brent built and we used that as the model to figure out what the game it was page just was the big be. thing at the time i think i guess just, it was i think it was just the most recent big release yeah yeah because that would have been like early 2013 mid 2013 yeah so i looked at that game page for like months <laughs> trying to figure out what our game pages would ultimately be and look like um it's also a cool cover it is yeah uh, another one from Mitchell is alive. You're asking great questions. How often should you assume positive intent from game companies? Are there any companies that are around right now that have a longer leash than others? Um, so basically, he's saying like, wh- when should you give game publishers the benefit of the doubt, and which ones do you tend to give the benefit of the doubt to? I almost never give the benefit of the doubt to publishers. Yeah, but I will give the benefit of the doubt to a dev team. Yeah, that's that, that's the distinction. Of, like, like I don't trust EA any further than I could throw the Redwood Shores building. Yeah, but I do more or less trust Respawn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. I just think it's based on history. Like, of the big three, probably the one I trust the most is probably Nintendo. Mm. Oddly enough, the one I trust the Except least... Except when it comes to online stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, just trust that, like, they are looking out for the happiness of their customers the most. Because mm. you don't see shady stuff creeping into Nintendo's games, like the microtransaction stuff or the games as a service stuff. Part I mean, of it might be that it just can't stuff. do it. Outside of, outside of the mobile stuff. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, like, for whatever reason, I think I trust them the most. And oddly enough, I think I trust the least Xbox. Mm. It just feels like it's been like a Jekyll and Hyde thing with Xbox through the years. Like, I don't feel like it's ever kind of found its thing and stuck with it. Um, whereas PlayStation, it's done its fair share of shady stuff, no doubt. But one thing I do trust about playstation is when it's first party stuff comes out it's going to be really polished yeah. like like I, xbox I, I just have the least amount of trust in of the i just, i don't really draw much of a distinction between the three of them in that regard it's as far as high level company work 
I believe you know I believe the teams that make these games are always trying to make good games. Yeah. I don't, I've never met a game developer that has said like ah oh, that one game I just phone that in. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it happens I'm sure if you're playing like you know you're talking about making like horrible license games but even people that worked on horrible license games you know they tend to take some pride in their kind their work on it. You know like in, I I don't there's not a lot of sandbagging in game dev. It's too hard. It's, it's the work's too hard. Yeah. To not put something into it. Um. Even even the worst like kitty game has someone in there who's got some passion to like how SpongeBob animates or something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, it's the publishers and the executive wing and the network notes, for lack of a better equivalent, that I don't trust. Okay. Um, generally, I think game development teams are trying to do something good. Well, sometimes it's not it's in not the control of the development yeah, team. It's not up to them. Most yeah. Of the time. That's and the problem. That's why the publishers kind of matter in that case. Um, or it matters like who's running that dev company. You know, like, like I'm sure Sony's tried to pull some shady shit on Insomniac now and then, but I don't think you're getting that past Ted Price. Probably not. So that helps. Although Le- what? Leadership although helps. what with just what happened with the whole pro-choice thing, mm-hmm. where they basically told Insomniac to shut up. Yeah, and then Insomniac said no. Well, it kind of acquiesced. That's be- yeah, but they kind of end ran around, and then Bungie's just like they can't tell us what to do. We're just gonna say it. Like, yeah. So and then Sony backed off of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, hey, that's what Ted Price and Insomniac did. There is more than ninety nine percent of the rest of the industry would do. Oh yeah, I'm not begrudging them at like, all. I'm just showing you the power of like that. Takes, the mothership that, that takes some balls and knowing knowing what you know what the, you how essential you are. Yeah. You know? Because it's like, okay, you can get mad about this, but then you don't get our Spider-Man game. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to, like, fire us all or, like, dis- you know, yeah. like that's you, don't, you only kill the Golden Goose there. Yeah. So, they, you know, they... that Played their hand right. Yeah, they, they I think, you know, that was, uh, that was truth to power. And, I mean, at the end of the day, do. we all know where Insomniac stands. Yeah. And that's really what's most important. Yeah. Yep. You're going to feel okay buying Spider-Man 2 yep. after all that. Uh, Lesteved, thank you, man, for the tier one subs that you're giving out to people in our chat. That's awesome. Um, we'll take one more. Here it is from Ammo Clip Twenty. Do you think Microsoft will have a lot of first-party games to finally show off during their non-E3 show, or will it just be mostly Starfield and third-party stuff? I don't think it's gonna be any Starfield at all. Uh, really? Yeah. You don't think they're gonna show the first gameplay at Starfield? They might not. I think they will. I think that game I think is, they either open or close their show with it. I think that game is further out than we think. Like, you don't think it's coming Q1 of next year? I think it may not be next year. What? Oh, my God. If that were the case, that would be insane. Um, I personally think that it's going to show a ton of first-party stuff. because I think we might see something from Fable, finally. Fable, I think we'll see the first gameplay of Avowed. I think we'll see the first game, more gameplay of Hellblade. I think we'll see definitely some Hellblade. First gameplay of Starfield. I think um, we'll see the probably the first gameplay of Redfall. Um, I think we'll see the first real gameplay of Forza Motorsport. I think we'll see. That might be it. That's think, pretty damn good. Though. I think you're being very optimistic. Really? Yeah. I think we will. All those get, games have been in development for a long time. I think we will get three things. I think we will get maybe a little taste of Starfield, maybe a little taste of Fable, and a lot of Forza Motorsport, and then a bunch of other little little things. See, I think to me, Fable is the least likely of any of the things I just listed. I think Playground Games has been working on it long enough. Huh. We'll see. I think it's going to be good though. If, if you're, I think you're really your question is: Is the thing going to be good? I think it's going to be good. Um, I don't think anyone's going to walk away and be disappointed. Mm, 
That would be a huge mistake. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of interest. That would be a huge mistake. After this year? I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's just all they got. I don't think they're doing it on purpose. But what of what of the things that I listed would be a stretch to be able to show gameplay of? I think it's all further behind than we think. Wow. Is this insider information that you've got? Not that I know of. Maybe maybe that maybe Hellblade. I I think Hellblade's probably in there. It has to be. Um, I don't think Hellblade's this year. I don't either. Um, I think they would already would have already said that probably. when they were getting heat when they delayed yeah. Redfall in Starfield. I think we're gonna get some Hellblade. I think we're gonna get some Forza. I think uh, if we're lucky, there'll be some Starfield. But I think a lot of it's gonna be focusing on existing things. I think we're gonna they're gonna do a big thing on that stupid Gears of War collection. I think we're gonna. That would be a to, I think we're gonna have to sit through a whole thing about how they're gonna revamp Halo Infinite. Um, that kind of stuff, a lot of Xbox indie stuff, a lot of Game Pass stuff. I, I I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be, it's gonna feel like they're stalling for time again. So I think nothing's ready. You can't do that. What a disaster! I don't think they have much. much everybody's be. doing. That. I mean, that's what this year's whole release schedule is. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. Like they have, nothing's ready. It's been awful. It's really been awful. It started. It started with such promise, and it's just nosedived since mm-hmm. then. It's really crazy. Uh, okay. That's it for Game Face episode 301. Thanks to everyone who hung out on the stream. We're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Come hell or high water, we are here because this was a hell or high water episode and we were here. There was hell and high water this week and we still delivered an episode to you guys. Uh, So we're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. If you want to support us, head to patreon.com slash sifted. You can pledge whatever you want. Uh, but if you want all our content early, you just have to pledge four bucks a month. Um, and then you can help us for free with Twitch Prime. And if you're watching on YouTube, the instructions for that are down below. So I don't know <laughs> if next week's episode is going to be. Vincent's right. There's going to be a lot of grounded. Grounded. That's right. <laughs> we'll see about that. I surely hope not. Blood Wake 2 from Evil Only 5. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Finally, Nightcaster 3. Yep. We, we've waited long enough. Yep. So anyway, there you go. That's Game Face episode 301. We'll see you next Tuesday. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>